Yes. We have too many things to do today on today's episode. Isn't that always the case? So, But today especially, I feel like we have just a thousand things. Yeah, I'm worried this is going to be a four-hour episode. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the 232nd episode of What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Where each week, we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and say what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host, Brian. And I am your host, Noah. Let's get to it. All right, my top five this week in honor of Creed 3. Threed has been released. Uh, So I have done my Creed 5, the top five Creed songs. Uh, Famously, for a short period of time, Creed was uh, among my favorite bands. Uh, Maybe, probably just my favorite band. Uh, And I grew, I changed, as we all do, uh, from our youth to our adulthood. However, some Creed songs, they stuck with me. Uh, and these are five of you them. You have five Creed songs that you like? I do, yes. Okay. Uh, five Creed songs that will still occasionally get stuck in my head. Uh, number five is a song called My Sacrifice. I'm just going to kind of go through this uh, go through this list pretty quick because I don't think you have much, uh, much frame of reference to these songs, and you're not going to be able to compose your own list at the end. I, I know maybe three. So yeah, and um, yeah, my my sacrifice. I think. Yeah, I, I think there's one. three songs. Oh you, yeah, is that your number five? Yeah, that's yeah, my number five. I know that one. You know that one? Outstanding. My sacrifice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's one good. Of the I, big hits, isn't I, it? I I mean I I only know of. I'm gonna look up their Spotify top five. Okay, I only know that like their top two songs really broke through to the people that didn't own physical copies of all three little, of their albums. Yeah, my sacrifice is the second number second. So wow, really? Can you give me a little bit of it? I uh, a little bit of the chorus. Do do the when mice. you yeah. are with me, I'm free. I'm careless, I think. I believe. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Well, we're on the earth. We'll fly. Yeah, exactly. There he goes. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Uh, number four. Yeah. What if? That's not on this list. I uh, No, but it's a song that you might recognize uh, because it was used in the film Scream 3. Uh, oh, I won't. Also, uh, apparently the music video for this song is uh, all of theory? them being killed by Ghostface. That's cool as hell. Yeah, uh, and it was used in the uh, in the movie, and also what part was of the movie, do you remember? I have no idea. Uh, and also was sung by Daughtry, Chris Daughtry, in fact, on American Idol. On American Idol. I wouldn't. I, I watched it probably. Uh, which I'm sure I recognized at the time, and was like, "This guy is the coolest man in the world." <laughs> Can you give me a little bit of that? I. Uh, I don't really know the words. I just kind of right, know fine. the uh, yeah, like it know the rhythm. I. Yeah, I do. All the rhythms better. Uh, number three, with arms wide open. Oh, that does sound like it's from Scream. Hold on, I couldn't possibly tell you what part of yeah. We can't. We can't pay for this. Scream that's from. <laughs> well, we talk over it in common. The, I don't think you have. Yeah. I don't think you have to. Is that true? I think so. Oh boy. I uh, number three with arms wide open. I uh, yeah, yeah. We we all know with arms wide open. Let's see where that ranks. 
That's four. That's four. Wow. Yeah. What's three? Three well, is going to be on your list. Is three higher? The number one and the number five, I don't really know. Okay. All right. Fine. I... Uh, yeah, with arms wide open, just a just a, 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 a nice little song about fatherhood. Uh, still, will, still will get caught in my head. The sometimes. Almighty Father? No, just regular. Oh, yeah. I uh, number two is a song called Ode, no, which uh, now isn't going to be on the list. Uh, Ode is the best example to me of how every member of Creed that's not Scott Stapp is good. Oh. And they went on to form uh, Alter Bridge, a band oh, yeah. that I am uh, much more fond Who's of than I am singer? of Creed to this day. Of Alter Bridge, yeah. Miles Kennedy. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I, yeah, he is. Uh, Miles Kennedy has reached uh, reached some fame. He tours with uh, Guns N' Roses as the uh, as the singer. Can't get more famous than that. He's like the, he's their Adam Lambert. Current Guns N' Roses. I, Ode just has a has a totally bitchin' uh, guitar riff. Bitchin'. Yeah. Let's find uh, it. Do you know what album it's on? <laughs> uh, Ode, I think, is on Human Clay. I no. I look I looked all this up. Try try the first one. Weathered. Weathered is after. Okay. Well, the whatever the first one is. Uh, it might just be called My Sacrifice. My own prison. My own prison. That's what it is. That's a guitar riff? Yeah. Sounds like it's a cartoon, like scary cartoon. Like imagine like like uh like a horror cartoon show and then this is like a transition to a scene. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Boy no. that album cover. <laughs> All their album covers, man. I <sighs> uh, is that the one with them in a tree? No. You should look some, at the third album. It's them in a tree. Crouching. I see that one. It's weathered. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, Someone's carving photographs into a tree. Yeah, man. Uh, number one is higher, of course. Yeah, that's the number three song. That's that's for, that's ridiculous. Spotify should be, uh, you should investigate that internally. Uh, what's there to say about higher? It's it's just it's good. It's a good song. I like it very. I like it. I like it. Let's not say very much, but do you take the the number underneath the songs to be the amount of times it's been played? I do. Okay. So the number one song has been played thirty six million times more than higher. Okay. That can't number be right. five is my own prison. The title track sure. off that album. Number one is. Come on, even I oh, know this. Oh no, riff. I know, I know that. Okay. One last breath. That's yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, a fun yeah. All right. That's One weird. Breath, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let's get into the actual top five, shall we? Shall we get into the actual top five? Yeah. I've been dying to talk about the top five. Uh, in order from one to five, as we traditionally do. Uh, <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm bringing some energy to the top five. Okay, great. Uh, you got Creed 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Cocaine Bear, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, <laughs> to the Swordsmith. Yeah, good one. And Jesus Revolution. Uh, demon Slayer followed by who was was he not a Demon Slayer? That Jesus. I uh, in the number one spot. Creed three opened this weekend with fifty eight point six million dollars. Uh, Brian, is that any good? It's pretty fucking good. It's bigger than the five day Thanksgiving opening of Creed two, which was like fifty something as well. Uh, the first Creed also was a five-day. That was like 30-something. First Creed, 29 on mm-hmm. the tradition. It opened on a Wednesday to get the holiday Thanksgiving. 
So the traditional Friday to Sunday of Creed was like 29. Okay. Creed 2 was like 33. 58. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I think that this, it's, well, I read somewhere, I think it's like the best opening for a sports movie. Uh, certainly the best for a Rocky film. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I hesitate to put too much emphasis on, oh, Jonathan Majors is now a huge star. Anchoring sure. two, two, you know, big weekends kind of back to back. And I hesitate to put the, oh, Michael B. Jordan is now an A-lister. Because things don't work like that anymore. Yeah, every, everything is kind of uh, working in conjunction with each right. other. Chris Hemsworth is a A-lister when? When he's starring in Thor. When he's playing Thor. Or and when I he's wonder... playing the main character from Black Hat. No, and I wonder if Michael B. Jordan is an A-lister when he's playing Adonis Creed. Sure. Either way, for a third film in a franchise to go up this high is like some John Wick shit, and that was if the uh, the first and second were huge hits. Second John Wick was a pretty big hit. Um, this is a terrific opening, and I kind of saw this coming. I think I've been I've been saying to you, especially for a few weeks, that like I think Creed three could hit. Yeah, you called that. I feel like this could hit, and. taking my victory sip uh it hit big this this is huge and it bodes well for creed 4 now for creed 4 i wouldn't rest on my laurels of you know it's just creed i i, I think my idea of just bringing in a big a heavyweight like denzel or something to boost yeah it. yeah you all you always you always have to be keep going. Uh, advancing and innovating with these yeah, things yeah keep going um but yeah i i can't say enough how awesome this is it's a huge boon for movie going this is a you know, it's a franchise pick, but, like, it's not a huge franchise, and now it is, and it's really nice. This could have just made decent money, and I think this just is a great sign for theatrical movie going. This is just a huge surprise, um, and if it's A- minus cinema score, which is just below, I think the first one was an A, second one might be an A-, minus, but they're all in the A's. Uh, great. It's dropped like a 3% on Saturday, which means word of mouth is pretty fucking good. And I think this is going to hold. I think next weekend again, <laughs> fucking March. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Next weekend has scream coming out, which is also tracking to do very well in the thirties, which could go higher if you ask me, but especially with notices off the, if the first press screenings are great. So I think yeah. you know, scream could be a big thing. So I hesitate to say this is going to have long legs. They're different, you know, markets here, but I think it should. I just worry about now this affecting Scream's opening weekend or Scream affecting this is second weekend. Sure. That makes Though sense. let me uh, let me let me frame this for you in a different way. Uh, if next weekend Creed three and Scream six. Both make thirty million dollars ish. Yeah, uh, it's like a forty forty five percent drop for Creed. That's a that's a strong uh, a strong opening for Scream. Yeah, like the uh, you could see it as sort of an iron sharpens iron situation where people people are excited all of a sudden. Like, when's the last time there excited was just to go to the movies, there was just yeah. a burst of like Holy Creed three, let's go, Scream six, let's go, like let's keep going in the movies. Uh, and it reinforces the success of Creed if it's able to continue succeeding against this onslaught of competition. 
uh, and re- and really hammer itself home as a movie people remember after this crazy month. A few weeks ago, when tracking first dropped for Scream, and usually just I want to reiterate, tracking is um, looking at forecasts and trends and uh, social media impact and projecting an opening weekend. It's usually up until. 15 years ago was not made public it's for studios yeah and it's to do you remember what it's to do i try i mean i i would think it's just to no tell me what tell me what specifically it, it's studios it's would get it a month public. out yeah so that they could adjust marketing they could see what areas ah, okay the yeah, 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 yeah. interest is low on or the um not knowledge but like awareness is low what Markets, is it, you know, the Latino demographic? Is it, you know, men over 35? And then Target in the last month try to hit those marks. Sure. Um, but now we use it as, oh, it's going to open to this much. And then when it doesn't, it drops. Now, we've had a lot of movies come out the last few weeks that have exceeded industry tracking. So that's like Ant-Man did slightly. Cocaine Bear definitely did. Creed definitely did. A month ago, Scream per deadline was tracking $37 million. Okay. And with good reviews in a clean marketplace, I think that it could easily get over 40 here. Um, much like the first Scream, you know, opened to like 16, 14, became a huge leggy December hit. Second Scream opened over 30 in uh, 1997. Similar in that regard, the last Scream opened to like really well, like 27 or something. And this one could open to 40. It just makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially if it's it seems like it's getting better reviews than the uh, Scream 5. But I just... I agree with you. That is possible that I bet a lot of screenings of Creed played the Scream 6 trailer. And that's good. And so, yeah, there is a possibility that people, so many people went into the movies, they walked past the giant posters of Scream and said, oh yeah, that's coming out. That's all good. I just worry that a lot of people are going to be like, well, I just saw a movie. Maybe I'm going to, I don't know. But either way, we're not talking about Scream right now. Huge win for Creed. Huge um, and it begs the question of, do you release the fourth one, which we'll definitely do. And then Michael B. Jordan's like, we've even talked about spinoffs. No, 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 no. There's nothing here to spin off. You spin off Damien into something. No, no, no. Stick to this, please. Um, cause that'll just dilute the brand. In my yes. opinion. Do you do it on a week holiday weekend? Do you go back to Thanksgiving or do you just be like, we crushed it in March. Let's just stick to like the kind of, you know, a little out the side, the, yeah, that, that that would be my that would be my take. Yeah, that Maybe you do a you Labor know, Day one year. You know what works? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is very exciting, and also uh, not to not to step on our toes for later. But a nice little boon for me in uh, in the success of my my first overall pick. Yes. In our tournament. Well done. Oh yeah, we're not doing that. We are doing that this week. Yeah, man. Oh well. I know what I mean is like the numbers on the thing are a little off. Oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> just imagine them higher later. Uh, Speaking of crazy. Now let's talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which made $12.4 million. A 61% drop is up to a total of 186.7. And now, Brian, I'd like to once again call back <laughs> our bit from a few weeks ago in that when I say oof, yeah. you say magoof. I know what to say. I know what to say. Oof. Boof. Wait, what? <laughs> Boof's fine too. I uh, uh, Ant Man. It's please. a big it, listen. That's, it's, it's a it's a big drop, and obviously Creed heard it here, and also the movie heard it here. I, this is this is 
1,000 percent. You know, we took Eternals on a curve. That making like 170, 180. Sure. We took that on a curve as like, well, you know, we just got the vac. You know, the box office still is an influx. Yeah, it was still weird pandemic times. It was a, like a weird and completely isolated movie. We've had a deluge of Marvel movies up to that yeah. point in the last few months before that. And uh, yeah, no one had ever heard of these characters. We can't really do that here. I think this is like officially like the first like whiff for Marvel, in my opinion. Yeah. It still could get to half a billion, which is very face-saving because um, the Ant-Man, first Ant-Man did that, and the second one did, like, 600. But this is going to, like, squeak past 200, and I don't think matching the 215 of the second one is in the cards here. We're at 189, 187. Yeah. I don't think that's in the cards, especially with a crowded march, and that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is not this is not good. Uh, and you know, I just, I'm I'm so focused on that 61% drop. It's huge. Movie can drop 61% in its second weekend after having opened to like it lost 150 a fair million chunk of theaters, but yeah, it's still big. It did. Yeah, it dropped, dropped 500 theaters and even that like Ant-Man 3 bad, dropping yeah. 500 theaters in week yeah. 3. Like, that's no. That's not what Kevin Feige wants. No. I uh, that that's it's a tough break. For the Ant Man, uh, Cocaine Bear though uh, it made eleven million dollars in its second weekend. That was a fifty-three percent drop, which is regular. What am, uh, it's up to forty-one point two altogether. What am I going to say here about Cocaine Bear? Uh, if it had opened to eleven, we would have been like, eh, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's what I expected it to open. To, yeah, is eleven, and now we're looking at forty-one, which was after two weeks, which was my. If you had told me like, what's like the best case scenario for Cocaine Bears? total gross i'd probably go oh, like 40 45 yeah so I, the, the drop is significant again creed didn't help uh but yeah this is a very nice total and i don't know maybe 60 i don't i can't imagine 60 it's gonna get crushed by this in particular can get crushed by scream next week so let me certainly over 55 let me pitch you something here uh cocaine bear 2 Follow in some ways the Evil Dead Two model, uh-huh. where it's—I mean, everyone says that Evil Dead Two is like exactly the same movie as Evil Dead, and it's not. But it has like a lot of the same beats of just the same characters kind of getting repossessed by demons again, except yeah. it's just like bigger and funnier. I uh, do that with Cocaine Bear Two, and also like star stud that cast. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks. Call your funny friends. I'm not yeah. saying people weren't funny, but like Jesse Tyler Ferguson. <laughs> you know Paul Rudd. You know Seth Rogen. They what? You don't tell me they wouldn't like to. I guarantee you it was because it was in Ireland. Like sure, they wouldn't like to pop over for a few days and be in Cocaine Bear. Yeah, Conan you get... O'Brien loved the movie. She was on his podcast. Have Conan O'Brien get eaten by a bear? Here's here's my pitch. Yeah, it's just a title. It'll tell you all you need to know. Okay, Cocaine Bear takes manhattan <laughs> yeah that's great a bear at the zoo they bring they catch this bear or something they bring it to the thing and uh uh the or just another bear at the zoo becomes infused with cocaine sure yeah there's and, lots there's lots of options here. uh is unleashed in manhattan that's that that's that's what i think uh yeah i'd be uh, yeah you gotta I'd, you gotta put people in it yeah i'd be fully into that you gotta put people in it i uh, there's, there's there's lots of there's lots of avenues it's a good day uh, do you Good bring anyone here. back? 
Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Maybe maybe you do like a cameo of Carrie Russell. Uh, sure. Where like they call her and be like, "You had ex- you had she experience with the cocaine bear." Yeah. She's like, "Never again." Yeah, she just hangs up on them. I. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but otherwise, no. Sure. Uh, in the number four spot, uh, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, To the Swordsmith Village is actually what it's got. It's a very long title. It wasn't all contained on the first page. Yeah, I think this is just three episodes of a show. I didn't do too much research on it. Remember, we had a Demon Slayer. I do. Uh, Mungin Train came out in 2021, about two years ago, almost. Two years ago, a month from now. And that opened with twenty one, and that was like a big like holy shit. Yeah, and that uh, that that also like very briefly, Kombat. very briefly rekindled in me that like oh yeah you know I used to watch like Dragon Ball Z yeah. and Inuyasha and stuff and like people say Demon Slayer is good should I try watching anime again and then I didn't Let's see if it opened in the same but, it opened uh, in roughly the same amount of theaters as the first. As I the other I do one. remember that Demon Slayer release made a lot of money. Um, this made about what it should. This is a huge per theater average, five thousand, almost six thousand dollars per yeah. theater, and it's a great opening. It's you know nothing I think was ever going to be the twenty one. No, the that, I mean That's that was crazy, but it is interesting because Creed three, Michael B. Jordan's a huge anime fan, and Creed three is infused with anime shit, from what I hear. Is it? Yeah, and that's cool. A lot of people on Twitter are like, I love anime, but I don't. I haven't seen any of the Creeds. Would. I, I'm, but I'm going to see Creed three. Do I need to know anything? I'm like, okay. uh, Not really. No, you can probably figure it out. Yeah, I'm sure it's self-explanatory. But yeah, good opening. Great. Uh, at number five, Jesus Revolution made eight point six million dollars. That was a forty six percent drop and is up to thirty point five. I too find Jesus revolting. Increased its theaters count by 100, which is fun. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, that's probably why the drop is only 46. I mean, it's a good total. It's going to cross 40. Uh, not much to say about this. Just, People like it's, Jesus. It's a decent hold. And again, if the movie opened to that number, 8.6 last weekend, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Take take note of this. Uh, other religious movie people and uh, just people that make weird niche things. Like, just, just make a movie that looks baseline decent. Yeah. And it it expands your horizons. Sure you don't if you if you make God's Not Dead three and it just looks like horseshit, you'll get your opening weekend and then it'll uh, fade away and wither yeah. into the ether. Don't make God's Not Dead three. <laughs> also opening this weekend, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre was in seventh place. Uh, not a good number. Very undermarketed. It was announced that it was coming out like a month ago yeah, in I, U.S. theaters. I had never heard of this movie until I saw a trailer a couple weeks it, ago, and it, I was like, oh. Yeah, it came out, I think, overseas well before this, and there was like, is it ever going to be distributed here? And then they finally got a deal to do it. Uh-huh. And that's what happens when you announce it and then just drop it immediately. This is a, this no a Guy Ritchie project, right? Yeah. Do you think he had made like a sort of My Fair Lady-style bet with the producers where he's like, I bet I could make a hit movie with the worst title in the world, and they'd be like, no, you can't, and then they'd bet a million dollars on it. No, because I think he would have cast other people. Ah. <laughs> if you wanted. But I can make a hit movie. <laughs> Hello, Josh Hartnett? Yes. <laughs> you are available. <laughs> Thank God. Jason Statham? <laughs> yes. No, you're the only star. You know, No, you're the main star. You know. Yeah. I... I feel like I should rag on Statham. He, he, he's not the lead of a hit movie. No, not really. Uh, you know, I, the I, Meg. I, you know who was the the big sell the big selling star of the Meg? The Meg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Waiting on that Meg 2. Anyway, I think they're filming it. I think it's coming out. Are they? Yeah, Jesus. I think it's coming. It made like 100 million. It came out nine dollars. years ago. It came out 2019. Or 18, maybe. Yeah. All right, that's not that. That's still, anyway, that's still this didn't do far. well, and that's all I have. All right. Well, then it's time to play everybody's favorite game. Did it make more or less than... <sighs> Stretching. Brian, you did an incredibly good job of matching my voice exactly this week. It sounded just so like there was one person talking. Two, yeah, exactly. exactly. Talking, yeah. Uh, and then also making a big... <laughs> well, it was hard to do. Yeah. It took a lot out of me. I gotcha. I, we all know how to play. I named three movies. You list them in order, which ones made more and which ones made less at the box office. Yeah. For a bonus point, you can tell me the year in question. One movie's opening weekend total within $3 million, and one of the movie's final grosses within $3 million. Are you ready to play? Your three movies are The Fault in Our Stars, Neighbors, (laughs) Rio 2. What was the middle one? Neighbors. Neighbors. (laughs) You're going to smash this by cheating. Uh, sorry, Fall North 2014. I know it's 2014. 2014 is correct. Yeah. Good Highest, start. The one that made the most money? I, uh, sure, yes. What? I, no, I mean, I'm going to need the all three of them in order of the money they made. But oh, we yeah. We can start with most. All right, so uh, Neighbors, Fall North Stars, and was the first Rio? Rio 2 Rio is the last. third film. Rio 2 is last. Uh, Neighbors is correct, but you flipped Fall North Stars and Rio 2. Really? Yeah, Rio 2 outgrows Neighbors. I, uh, wait. Oh, wait. Or, no, excuse me. Rio 2 outgrows Fault in Our okay, Stars. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but Neighbors is the highest grossing of yeah, those. Yeah, so Neighbors will do the gross for Neighbors. The full gross? Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to do one. I have what, between, it's just be uh, within three? Uh, within $3 million, yes. One fifty-five. It was just off. It's 150? 150. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say 150 and I cut my glosses. I was like, no, play it safe. God damn it. <laughs> I knew you, that cold too. I knew one fifty fucking cold. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're gonna do the opening weekend of Fall in Our Stars, and okay. it opened famously beat Edge of Tomorrow for number one at the box office. Big, big uh, hit to Tom Cruise's ego. Everybody said, um, and it opened to uh, forty six. That hits. It was forty eight. All right. Well done. You are back in your winning ways here. Uh, all right. That was good. That was... Uh, yeah. Oh, I have caps. Nobody on. cares about Rio 2. Yeah. Rio 2, for reference, opened to 39 and made 131. Wow. Uh, but yeah, well done. Congrats. What did Fault in Our Stars make? Uh, Fault in Our Stars made 124. That dropped hard. Yeah. All right. Uh, great opening weekend, though. Yeah, great opening. Uh, yeah, congratulations on your return to victory Thank you. there. Uh, now, come and gone from a theater near you. Are you ready to go yeah. back in time? This is a fun one. Uh, nice little, uh, nice little twofer here in 2007. So this weekend, uh, 2007. Yeah. What is the day? Was the March week- 2nd? Is it 300? Uh, no. No, it is not a. Uh, it. it is not a movie that has sort of the cultural cachet of 300. Monsters you've got- vs. Aliens. No. Mm. Uh, you've got two openers Wild here. Wild hogs. Yes. Yes, it is Wild Hogs opened number one. A big number. It's a big number. I saw that in theaters. And it's a big number. Is it like 40? Uh, oh, God, is it 50 something? It's like a shocking number. 
I'm gonna say fifty. I'll just go with fifty. Well, it's not that shocking. Oh, it's like forty-two. Uh, it's thirty-nine points. Oh, it's thirty-nine. That's yeah. still it's, shocking. It's, it's still a lot of money for wild Today hogs. Today it'd be fifty. <laughs> that number. Yeah, shocking. sure. With yeah, with the inflation you're inflating. What it is, the uh, economy. And still, even if Wild Hogs opened thirty nine today, that was crazy. Was I, a bad movie. Saw that in I'm, I'm sure it was. What a cast! Who doesn't want to see John Travolta mix it up with William H Macy? <laughs> Martin Lawrence is in Martin that. Lawrence. Tim Allen is probably the fourth. Yeah, one. that sounds right. Yeah. I yeah, weird stuff. And you think that, of the comedy greats. You think of. Tim Allen and Martin Lawrence. You think of leading men, it's John Travolta. You think of who's going to take on a, a Disney comedy role the best? William H. Macy. Yeah. It's just such a weird fourth name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, still still in that time when I was like, is William H. Macy terrible? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know you ever thought that. It's before you saw Fargo? First, no, the first, yes, yeah, it was. The first time I ever saw William H. Macy was in Cellular. And I thought, oh, no, he's among Cellular. the worst actors I've ever seen. Anything uh, else open? Yeah, second uh, second place. Yeah, it's a clue. Much less than thirty nine million. Well, when you think of two thousand seven, of course you think of Wild Hogs, uh, but also you think of good films. I uh, truly among the elite of the oh, decade. Oh, Zodiac. It was Zodiac. Yes. Yeah, baby. I uh, that opened at number two. Fourteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen point three. Yeah. I. Yeah, just saw well, that in theaters. Well done. We did just see it in theaters. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, that movie has really shot up my Fincher rankings in the past few years. Oh, yeah. I, but this weekend also saw the release just uh, just for a little fun thing that I remember, and I'm but, sure you do too. Because go ahead, give me a clue. Let me guess. Okay. Uh, I all right. I sort of like a like an exploitation drama. A drama. Yeah. Mm, no, keep going. I let's see. Um, Assault on Precinct Thirteen? No. no. I, Is it that kind of exploitation? I, like just like action, be action? Um, no, it's not action. It's uh, more of a. Uh, Do we, we both more, saw more, this? More, more of like a kidnapping feature. I did not see this. You didn't see this? No. But you remember it? Yes. Why? Uh, I was just a just a weird thing. Oh, Alpha Dog. No. no. Uh, let's see. What can I? Uh, what can I give you? Uh, ah, features uh, features Justin Timberlake in a supporting role. Alpha Dog. <laughs> Still no. He's in that movie. <laughs> That's fine. He's in a few things. What? <laughs> I. But is really a two-hander between a uh, a young woman and an older man. Oh, Black Snake Moan. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Craig Brewer, the guy who did uh, Hustle and Flow. Yeah, in which Samuel L. Jackson kidnaps Christina Ricci to she's protect a, her virtue. She's a sex pot. Yeah. And she's a drunk or a drug addict, and he can. She's she's half naked, and he chains her to his radiator, and he's like, You're going to get well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seemed weird. People didn't, loved it. Didn't I catch didn't it. I didn't care for it. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it, but it made $4 million. Okay, so our big episode gets. It wasn't. I was gonna say it's even bigger. It wasn't that big before now, right? It's just, oh yeah, it's been regular. It was, it was done, pretty speedy. We've done all our normal stuff. Yeah, we rushed through a bunch of things. So now we get into the big part of the episode with our very special guest, Ahmad Oates. Hello, Ahmad. Hello. How's it going? It's good. This is a, this is a very long episode. We're doing a lot of things here. <laughs> 
Um, and we're very excited to have you. You had a podcast. For how many years did you have that podcast for? Uh, seven years. Just ended it last summer, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, almost a year uh, gone from the airwaves. Thinking outside the boombox. It was a music podcast, hip-hop podcast. And each year you would give your top albums of the year. And since we do our top ten of the year... I, and I, I know everyone, you know, holds your opinion in just as high regard as we do. We're like, well, we can't deprive the public of your top albums of the year. So you're here to give us your favorite albums of 2022. I am. I am. Um, it was a very good year. Lots of amazing music. Um, I jotted down my top 15. I'll very quickly go through kind of the honorable mentions and then jump into the top 10. Uh, so the ones that didn't make uh, the cut of the esteemed top 10 uh, from 2022 was Un Verano Sin Ti by Bad Bunny, great album, uh, Dawn FM by The Weeknd, Hypnos by Raven Linnae, she's a Chicago artist, uh, Love for Rent by Smino, and then Ghetto Gods by Earth Kang, a Dreamville group. All right, so the only one I have on mine is Dawn FM's number 19 on my list. How, do you okay. have all your albums? Do you know how many you listen to? Uh... No, not off the top of my okay. head. I only listened to 15. I listened to 42 of them. That's what okay. I'm getting through. I'm sure you listened to so many more. Because <laughs> you listed four albums I didn't listen to already. All right. Top 10. What do you got? Top 10. Coming in at number 10 is Gemini Rights by Steve Lacey. He is a member of the internet with Sid, a uh, former member of Odd Future with like Tyler Creator in them. Uh, this is kind of a breakout year for him. His main, The main song from that album was Bad Habits, which kind of blew up on TikTok and everywhere. I'm pretty sure he won a Grammy this year. It's a great album. Number nine, and you'll probably think this is too low. Uh-oh. Little Sims, No Thank You. Oh, wait. <laughs> and actually, uh, I feel like I saw that you had this like low. top three for you, I think, or somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, great album. Uh, nothing, I think, is going to be able to overtake her album yeah, from last year. Sure. Just an incredible, or that might have been two years ago. Incredible album, but I thought this was a a great addition to her catalog. I just didn't like that it as much as all year. these other albums. It was last year. Yeah, wow. Sometimes, uh, Seems like so long ago. Yeah. Uh, number eight, It's Almost Dry by Pusha T. Um, Pusha T has been putting out a lot of really good albums over the past like five years. This is another really concise album full of all the things that people love Pusha T for, which is drug bars. So. I, have, I have that 25. That's on my okay. list as well. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very fond of it and Pusha T generally. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's He's been doing pretty well ever since him and Drake had that beef, so I think uh, he definitely got the better end of that. Uh, number seven is The Forever Story by Jid. Jid is a member of Dreamville, J. Cole's label. I think he is... Probably when J. Cole decides to hang it up, uh, Jid is like the next coming of like who will take over that label and be kind of the main star. He's incredibly talented, um, and this album is really good. It was long awaited. He did you hadn't... listen to the Speaking of Dreamville? Did you listen to the Creed 3 soundtrack? I did. did like I it? did. I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was a surprise. I didn't know it was coming out. I just happened to like really, look up really and it was on the browse page. It, <laughs> it would have been nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to Jid. Number six is King's Disease 3 by Nas. I was uh, at 11. Nas is, is on a kind of ridiculous run. He's put out four albums in three years, um, two last year, and they've all been, it's it's just like a, a rehabilitation of his career. Um, he's rapping just as good as he was when he was younger. 
and he's uh, partnered with the producer Hit Boy for all four of these albums, and they clearly have some great chemistry. Um, so hopefully he puts out King's Disease 4 next year. Let's just keep it going until the wheels fall off. Uh, number five is Black Radio 3 by Robert Glasper. A lot of people might not know about him. I frequently refer to him as the DJ Khaled of R&B, but way more talented. Oh, like, he he puts out... <laughs> You're going to defend DJ Khaled? Well, they have the best music. I don't know how we can say someone's more talented than that. <laughs> it is the best. It's uh, on record, literally. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, but he frequently puts together these black radio albums where he brings in a bunch of R&B artists He's a multi-instrumentalist. He plays piano, guitar, all of that. So he kind of produces and like plays all of the music for all of the songs. Um, and it's a nice showcase of a lot of R&B artists uh, in the game. So those albums are great. He won a Grammy for it this year as well. Now, when he makes an album, when he uh, when he makes one, does he then make another one? <laughs> he does, indeed. All right. He does. All right. Fine. He passed my test. <laughs> the DJ Khaled test. Exactly. Um. Number four, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future by Denzel Curry. Um, Kind of an underground artist. Um, He doesn't have a lot of mainstream recognition, but he's been rapping his ass off for like the better part of like six years, like at an expert level. Um, And this album, I think, is the best in his catalog, in my opinion. And strangely, is another one that I'm familiar with. Oh, nice. I believe he's been nominated for a couple of uh, awards over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he has. Would you, what were your awards named? The Amadis. <laughs> the Amadi, I love Amadi, it. Amadi, Amadi, Amadi. I should have I done that. It's too late. Um, just the, the Thinking Outside the Boombox Awards. Yeah. We didn't have a fun name, unfortunately. The Boomies? Oh, the Oatses? That would have been good. Like Oscars? All, All right, these sorry. ideas when I'm done podcasting. <laughs> um, shout out to Denzel Curry. Number three was Her Loss by Drake and 21 Savage. Number three. Number three. Oh, you like that way more than me. This was twenty-nine. This was like one of my favorite albums this year, and ever since it's come out, probably the album that I like have listened to the wow. most. Like, just Drake is rapping like more and better than he ever has before. Twenty-one Savage is a great uh, partner for I him do on love this that album. First song. I do love that. Yeah, and hyping up twenty-one. Is yeah, it's a good song. Um, outside of the. Uh, very disgraceful uh, yeah, Megan the Stallion yeah. shot that he took on the song whose name I would not mention because I pretend that it doesn't exist on the album. Um, such a good sample. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, such a good it's like, well, now I can't listen to this song again, so oh. that sample's out the window. Um, but a very, very good album. Drake has some multiple like expert level verses on this album, um, and one of my favorite albums of the year. I liked his. Um, honestly, never mind. Better than that. I really, I did like that album after after a f- a many listens. Yeah, like Once I had I to got really what he get was into doing it. With it. I really yeah, it's just the second half of that. And it's just oh, so much. Like I get that you guys like blowjobs. I talked about it every other song. It's so like, many. I get they're, it. they're about it. You know? But yeah, no. <laughs> I have nothing productive to say about Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Drake in the car with Noah because I made a playlist. <laughs> yeah, he has been doing that. Yeah, I, can, I can't confirm. As He's they good say. driving music. I don't know what to tell you. That's fair. Uh, again, nothing, nothing productive to offer. <laughs> That's fair. Number two, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. Um, the the only thing about this album for me is there's just not a lot of replay value. Like, I really have to be in a mood to, like, listen to this album because it's so heavy. Yeah. But despite that, it's 
just incredible storytelling, incredible writing. The production is great. Kendrick is a master of his craft in so many ways. And, you know, if we don't get another album for, from him for a very long time, which I think is probably going to be the case, um, I think this was a great kind of culmination of the albums and his career and what he's done so far. So I appreciate this album, especially for that. All right, and the best album. Oh, God. Uh, no, I was, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting how Kendrick kind of like alternates doing that, mm-hmm. where like I, I felt very similarly about uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Mm, yeah. Uh, which was like incredible, but is a is a real like art piece mm-hmm. and uh, and needs a lot of like focus put to it. Yeah. But then like he puts out Damn and it's just like, oh, like this is, this is full of fun songs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This album, like I can't, I can't like just like when I'm trying to get into a hype mode, put on like this album because there's like Mother I Sober and Auntie Diaries and it's like you can't do anything but like think very deeply when listening <laughs> like, to songs oh, like that. Man. <laughs> yeah, in 95. And then number one, Renaissance by Beyonce. Yeah. Um, just an incredible album. I'm very excited to be uh, going to see her in july or whenever she's coming to soldier field you guys get tickets yeah yeah after a a lot of very detailed work um this is the hardest ticket buying experience we've ever had really How yeah many, you just you two or you going with people uh with two other people uh magan and lauren are yeah. coming with us um but the ticket master process was just it was just insane yeah. this year they changed things where'd you get where are you going where are you sitting where uh you soldier field yeah soldier field yeah so we're being like the 200 level nice um but this album is just amazing. Like the the energy, the vibes that that come with it, the transitions, like some of the best like musical like production I've heard from Beyonce. Like she she clearly was inspired, I think, and you know this this album was inspired by her her trans uncle who she dedicated to and like the entire kind of like queer community she was inspired by them and their stories to make this album and it shows like in the work and it's it's a fun album there's so much to love about it um besides her loss probably the most uh the album that i've listened to on repeat the most this uh it's interesting that your top two have really strong themes of uh uh an uncle Is Mm. is it kendrick's also an uncle that's in the queer community you don't remember that thing he talks about? No, I, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know the answer. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? He, he has that whole story about his his uncle either being gay or something. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I think that Is was his uncle. uncle? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's interesting that they're both yeah. the themes of uncles being in the queer community. That's funny. Yeah. Um, all right, my 15, I'm just going to run it down. I have Versions of a Modern Performance by Horse Girl, <laughs> Laurel Hell by Mitski, Air by Salt, is It You, which is an EP by Mind Shrine, King's Disease 3 by Nas, and number 10, SOS, SZA, mm. uh, number 9, Blue Skies by Dead, which is a Chicago band, number 8, Renaissance by Beyonce, number 7, uh, 11 by Salt, number 6, Cheat Codes by Danger Mouse and Black Thought, 5, Wet Leg by Wet Leg, 4, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar, 3, Here is Everything by The Big Moon, Number two, No Thank You by Little Sims. <laughs> and my favorite album of the year was Dragon, New, Warm, Mountain, I Believe in You by Big Thief. All right. 
Thank you for coming on and doing that. that oh, yeah, be, no problem. Noah has plenty of music to listen to now. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do not track the uh, track the albums I listen to and generally listen to fewer new albums throughout the year. Uh, Bleed Out by the Mountain Goats was good. <laughs> Love that uh, title. <laughs> pro- it is a it is an ode to the uh, to action movies of the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Mm. Uh, features uh, <laughs> features tracks like uh, Training Montage, Wage Wars, Get Rich, Die Handsome, which is an uh-huh. awesome song. I uh, need more bandages. <laughs> First Blood, you know, it's okay. uh, it's uh, it's a bunch of uh, especially for for the Mountain Goats, a bunch of like banger songs. Mm, okay. Uh, Bleed out. Yeah, it's a good good stuff. Probably not my favorite of theirs, but uh, but I liked it. Okay. All right, Noah. Yeah. How you Here doing? We go. <laughs> it's time. Uh, we are doing the our, our favorites of the year. Yeah. This is huge. This is round of a pods. Baby, make no. that ass clap. <laughs> <laughs> This I don't. Is... I don't know if I've ever done that before, but every single time we've ever said "round of a pods" in round my head. Of a pods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> round of a pods. Round of a pods. you could try to do it instead of ask clap. Do a a thing that's doing the movie this year. Okay. Go. I let's see. Um, do you have something specific in mind? No, or you, no, no, okay. No, no, no. All right. Let's see. So anything to do with a baby? I. Uh, is there a movie with baby in the title? I don't think so. This year? Let's see. Uh, no, I don't have anything. What about Baby Lawn? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I got nothing. I'll, right. I'll, I'll let you know. I'm going to keep working on it. Uh, I was going to my letterbox to see if I, we if what we watched this weekend would make it. I don't think it would. Speaking right? of letterbox, did you receive a friend request? No, you wrote a letterbox. <laughs> yeah. Did you receive a friend request? I did. I did. I responded. <laughs> I didn't receive anything from anybody. Hold on one second. Let me find it. Hang on. I've, while you're looking, I've you know, got... You know, it probably got sent to my email, which I just don't check on no. the weekend. So hold on. Let me go to... Follow, are you following me? I am. No. Oh, that's... Oh, I'm following. Hold on. Yeah, there hey, you go. Hey, follow! <laughs> Hit that little plus button. Woo! Now you got to go through every single year and mark down <laughs> every movie you've seen, like I did. And uh, that's why I have 3,551 movies I've seen. I have not done that. Uh, (laughs) Before we begin, uh, I think my final answer is round of a pods, petite maman, make that ass clap. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sure. Uh, I don't like it. It means damn mama. I guess that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that works. You can call someone making their ass clap a mama. All right. Um, No, we watched the CVs, which is on this list. Okay, here we go. Uh, Noah, this is always my favorite one that we do. I love talking about movies that are good. Um, I currently have seen 145 movies that came out in 2022. Uh, we got five more left for the Oscars to watch. And I, after uh, some corrections to the list, I'm up to 90. All right. So run through your 15 through 11. All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, Ahmad, if there are any uh, movies that you specifically would like to highlight from this past year, you're welcome to do so. Number 15 for me was All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, followed by The Quiet Girl, X, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and Fire of Love in the 11 spot. (laughs) Okay. All right. I know it's your 10 then. Uh, All right. My number 15 is Petite Milan, followed by The Quiet Girl. I have Broker at 13. Okay. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed at 12. I have Living at 11. 
All right. That's what I got from that. Right. I broke down at 24 for me. Yeah, that was... Which one what? I said brokers down at twenty four really? for me, which like this is I found I found this to it's be generally a, a, a like a strong top heavy year. Very good year. Uh, I don't have a ton of movies where I was like, yeah, that was fine. Uh, it was I just like, oh yeah, like a lot a lot of movies. I'm like, oh, this is quite good, and then a few that are not good, and then a few that are terrible. I gave three and a half to a lot of stuff this year, yeah. and I would have to go down to like number twenty seven to get to like. Going from like this is terrific to like pretty great. Yeah. So and like my it's a really good on movie. the on the five star system I I go down to movie thirty nine and it's still four stars. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, four you, star system only. Four stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahmad, when you see my letterbox, it's four stars. Ah, four okay. star system. All right. <laughs> Noah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, my, my list did undergo some changes this morning, which I think is what was causing you to cackle a minute ago. Because <laughs> I know what you desperately fought to keep uh, I, in, 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 uh, in your tent. Yeah, I mean, that, that wasn't even... Uh, that wasn't even the one. That, that movie actually went uh, went up even further. Wow! Uh, my, num- my number 10, in Jesus. fact, reappearing on the list since yeah. you, were, uh, you were peaking the other day, uh, is Living... At ten, yeah, I was well. First of all, I was peeking because you forgot several movies on your list, and you said, "Oh, I don't, I, there's a lot of movies that you're saying that I don't remember ranking." Sure. And it turns out I found some blind spots that needed to be addressed. Yeah, uh, and then it was being followed by uh, by some commentary on where Living was on the list, no, but it's back in the living. ten. I love Living. Go ahead. I I had an eleven. I know. I yeah, Living was one of those movies that caught us both completely yes. by surprise. I. Was just something that we watched for the sake of uh, for the sake of doing it for uh, Bill Nye being nominated, nominated for yeah, best for actor. actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you go in, you think, oh, you know, old man is like living a boring life, and then finds the. Uh, I'm gonna put the trailers on the TV as we discuss the movies. Sure. Uh, then like find has fun and like finds new meaning in his life, and yeah, we've seen that movie five times before. Uh, living was just a a beautiful rendition of it. Bill Nye is incredible in it. Uh, it's it's surprisingly like beautifully shot oh, in, in a way that a movie like this just doesn't need to be, but it's it's full of shots which make you like oh damn like there's uh, there's there's composition and there's lighting and there's just exciting things happening in front of me, uh, and I just came out of it being like holy shit. What did we just watch before this that I was like, this is how you make a movie feel epic. It's this is a very intimate movie mm-hmm. that is shot. To make it look like a huge story, and it works entirely. Do you remember when we were? Just... I don't. The only movie that I remember we recently watched is The Sea Beast, and it's not bad. <laughs> well, it's not. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Letterbox will tell me, but it will. Um, it, I agree with you on all fronts, and I also want to shout out uh, his co-star, who I'm looking up now, who is also terrific uh, in the movie. If I could type this in correctly, Amy Lou Wood. Yeah, good one. Certainly didn't know her name off the top. Ahmad knows the cast of Living Cold. <laughs> He's got it down. He's got it down. Um, no, I agree with you completely. It's beautiful shot. It's in my top five for cinematography. Yeah. Uh, Bill Nye. He's on my list. It's in my list for adapted screenplay. It is a wonderful take on um, time and uh, what your purpose is. It just. Um, little details and little things that that can leave a lasting impact it's just a very very well done film um my number 10 is it it was out of my 10 for a little bit and then it came back 
And it was in my five for a little bit, and then it went out, and that's back. So I go back and forth on it, but it is, in fact, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Okay. Um, which is, uh, you know, from the trailer, it appears to be a movie that is, you know, just a very sugar-coated, sweet, warm-hearted, sentimental take on our greatest storyteller. And when you watch it, it is, in fact, some of those things, but also a stirring critique at artists and at obsession and at um, having an artist's eye and the detriment that can bring to relationships from both sides. It's a very personal story about his parents um, getting divorced, about infidelity, about the secrets that child the children have to hold or knowledge they've told they don't want to, and the cynicalness of um, seeing everything through a lens and seeing everything as a big motion picture, something that I've also in my life have done just looked around and gone oh how would I shoot this there's a particular moment where his parents are telling the kids they're getting divorced and Sammy Fableman can't help but imagine how he would take a camera and film that moment and it's a way of taking you out of that moment it's a way of um, disconnecting you from the emotions you should be feeling and it's it's a really cynical look at artists and also it's about the power of cinema and the power of storytelling and it's beautifully shot and I just think that for someone to put all this on film is incredibly brave to really take stock of why I am the way I am. And I, I, you know, you can call me the greatest storyteller, but in a sense it came at a cost of some personal relationships and some um, emotional developments that I had. Yeah. The whiplash of movie making in a yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I, There's a great moment in the hallway where that bully says like, why did you make me look like a good guy in your movie when I bullied you? And he said, you know, he just goes because that's what would make a better story. And it's 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 really great, and uh, I love it. I think it's it's going to be studied. There's already people analyzing certain shots from this, from shots that he's done in other movies, where he's like mirrored, like the image from his childhood. Okay, you know the the shot of Paul Dano with the shadow at the end, where yeah. he's like a shell of himself and his former self is over here. That someone took a shot, and that's in another movie Spielberg made. And I have to think that's intentional to go. What are some things that I took? from my life and I'll put it back into the story of my life to kind of piece together where I came up with it. It's just, it's, it's, I think it's going to be one that we look back on, especially when he's gone Yeah, and be like, this told us a lot about him and his career. I'd say, I'd say that generally that was, that was the kind of, uh, the part of the movie that held me back from like really loving it. I thought all the stuff in the movie about like the story of the Fableman family yeah, uh, and just the sort of specific emotionality of it was really well done and really effective. Uh, the parts of it where it was about like the origin of Steven Spielberg, the artist, uh, it was less interesting to me. Uh, but it's a I, wonderful ending too. With yeah, the, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's a great ending shot. That's and uh, it has one of my favorite quotes about movies uh, ever, which is "Movies are dreams that you never forget." Sure. All right, number nine. Uh, my number nine is the movie you were referencing earlier. We're all going We're all to the going World's to Fair. The World's Fair. Uh, caught this very early in the year. Let me just year. say before you go into it, whatever I have it, because then I'll stop talking about sure. it. Sure. But I did like the movie. All right. It's number 56. It's a three-star movie. I did like it. Okay. I, I found this movie to be just completely enthralling and fascinating. Uh, it tells the story of a young girl who takes on like a YouTube challenge, the uh, the we're all going to the World's Fair challenge, where like 
you say you go to your local world fair, world's fair. Yeah, you 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 recite <laughs> a you recite a mantra at your computer screen, and I think like wipe some blood on the on the screen, and then like film yourself and see what happens to you. Uh, and you kind of uh, you you go into this. It's like this is, a, this is a horror movie, and so now like oh no, the challenge is going to work, and she's going to be possessed by a demon from hell. I, uh, and you go through the whole movie, and it like. By the end of it, it just doesn't really seem like anything actually happened to her. No, uh, she's having a uh, she's having a pretty bad time, and like seems like maybe maybe she is possessed by a demon, or maybe not. Or maybe she's just maybe like she's letting she's using this as an excuse for her emotions to really play out in front yeah. of her. Yeah, you know? and and just like maybe she's spending a little too much time online. And I mm. I thought that it was just such a fucking well drawn metaphor of how being a young child spending the majority of your time on YouTube is really basically the same thing as being possessed by a demon from hell. Yeah. Uh, and that I think is a very, is a very well observed uh, idea. And the, the, mo- the movie just really stuck with me all year uh, in the way it kind of sub- subverts your natural horror expectations. Yeah. And never, never really pays off on them in a way that, uh, yeah. That kind of leaves it simmering instead and of there's being an ending, from if you. I'm not mistaken, that's like very um, ambiguous in a way. Where like I thought one thing about the person at the end, you thought the other. Yeah, and that's always interesting to to, to take that into account. Um, all right, mine number nine is I believe it's going to be on your list somewhere. Is the cultural sensation three letters. Oh yeah, that will uh, that R- will be on R- my list. R- uh, what more needs to be said about um, RRR? It is uh, maybe the greatest blockbuster of the year. I don't know. I have another one on this list coming up, but certainly the most inventive, the most we've never seen anything like this. But um, really, the work of a singular vision, and it is just monumental in every sense of the word. The the, the dialogue is, is pithy and serious at the same time. It's got a bromance at the heart of it where there's shots of them riding each other's shoulders and riding on a moped and having a great time, and it's played for camp. And then there are moments of, like, serious violence and, you know, uh, torture. And it's all under the, the guise of uh, two real-life historical figures that's told... Um, in a way I don't think we've ever really seen before. Yeah. And it's, it is a, you know, it is based on historical figures, but not like, not based on true events. No. Uh, I think, I think the creator has said like, he just, he'd like to imagine like, what if these two unrelated guys had met and become friends? Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it's a great story. It's got a lot of twists and turns, uh, a lot of dynamics being flipped. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully rendered. There's great songs in it. Yeah. Uh, Amada, you caught any of this? No, not yet. All right. I really want to see it though. Uh, yeah. This is this is really great. You know, you say it's uh, it's something like we've never seen before, and that is simultaneously true. It's probably true on but, this side of the world. But but also like it's the the movie is made of tropes. It's, yes. We've you've, we've seen we've seen we've seen it all a million times, but just never quite executed. Uh, this way. No, the fight choreography is great. The slow motion is great. It's just filled with epic moment after epic moment. All the an- the the animal scene is incredible in the courtyard. The the final fight scene in the forest. I mean, it's just 
this little the, the interlude with the rifles it's just so good and it's the kind of movie that you can watch with buds or you can show my uh, my mom who will just go this is incredible yeah <laughs> who her her husband will get up and walk around she'll go you're missing the best movie um, she just it's a movie for everybody who who wouldn't fall for this movie it's Katie great. just watched this the other night yeah she like it yeah she did yeah it's great it's great is this available on streaming it's Netflix oh nice yeah and it's number nine. I would suggest watching it if you can before next week because one of the songs is nominated oh, yeah. for uh, best original song and will be performed. It's so good. Yeah. All right. RR number nine. Well, yeah. you know. I uh, so now we go to my number eight, which is Petite Maman, uh, the uh, the follow up from uh, Celine Siama. Is that correct? Uh, am, yeah, I, sure. am I saying that right? <laughs> I, I've never heard it pronounced, so we'll take that. I guess that's true. I. The story of a a young girl who kind of travels back in time and meets her mother at the same age, uh, and is just a a completely beautifully rendered thing. Uh, the mo- the movie's like an hour and ten minutes it's long so or something. Short, yeah, uh, and it it just tells this tells this nice story of a you know is a is a is sort of a uh, sort of a turning point a uh, a moment of a uh, moment of crossroads in her relationship with her mother in in real life uh and so now she gets to uh, experience what her life is like from a new perspective and yeah uh, and grow to become uh, become very close friends and just it's it's really it's really hard it's one of those movies it's hard to talk up because it just the experience yeah. of watching it is is kind of transfixing and beautiful. But yeah, it is. It's a fairy. It's a fairy tale, and it's it's very intimate and small. The girls are played by real life twins, and um, it is something that you know we never fully understand our parents ever because we only know them at a certain angle for a certain amount of time. Yeah, and. Um, there's another movie later on my list we'll talk about someone who has an adult trying to better understand their parent. But this is about a child trying to better understand their parent and gets to do that as a child and see the world through her mother's eyes and realize that we're very, very similar. Um, and it's, it really is a beautiful, quiet film that uh, is very powerful. I expected to weep like a baby, not super sad, which is great. No, it's it's touching. I really but... was like, oh, the mother is dead, and she gets to be with her mother again as a yeah. kid, and it's not that. Yeah, one one last meeting with Thank the mother. Goodness. <laughs> uh, this one, uh, this one could be caught on Hulu. Uh, just oh, high, highly recommend and it. it. Yeah, please, it's it's a really quick watch. Because, yeah, um, again, you can you can watch an hour fifteen, and oh. you're in and you're out. My nice. number eight is a film that is I think going to be great, greatly appreciated as the years go on. Uh, one of the best spectacles of the year, and that is of course. Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, this is this is a movie that I meant to revisit for this list and just didn't have time to get around to doing it. Yeah. I so I I'm I don't I don't I don't trust its position on my list. I it's 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 certainly higher, but is not officially in my ten. But you please know, please please go on. I don't know if it's winning my cinematography award, but there are a few films that took so seemingly little on screen. Just like not flashy in the set, not flashy in the camera movement, and made everything feel so fucking enormous and awe-inspiring. The IMAX, it's one of the better IMAX experiences I've had in recent years. Like the way that the the, the colors at night, the 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 contrast of the dark and the light clouds and the dark sky, just 
the fucking saucer at the end. It's just, it is, a, this is a sight to behold. It's a spectacle. And because it's Jordan Peele, there's other things going on. It's clearly about um, the Hollywood system and exploiting not only animals, but just people that can't speak up for themselves or aren't able to. Um, and taking them for what it's worth. And if you look Hollywood directly in the eye and you confront it, you get sucked up and spit out and you get discarded. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of my, my thesis behind Nope is that the big alien is, in fact, the Hollywood machine going, if you try to look at me directly in the eye, uh, I will destroy you. And it's also, um, it could be a metaphor for the, the things themselves that Hollywood exploits. It's just, it's so good. There's so many layers here. Performances are all terrific. And I just, I cannot tell you the, the imagery of, and not only the imagery of the big alien and like in its final form, but just Daniel Kaluuya in an orange hoodie on a horse is one of my favorite things. Just galloping <laughs> away. It's so fucking good. And um, it's, I, I'm glad that it wasn't as appreciated in theaters because it makes it feel more special. And uh, I think that people will come around to it heavily in the coming years yeah this will this will this will be the movie that you know people look back and say oh you know spielberg's best movie is jaws or it's et or it's jurassic park and then you've got your people that are like no it's close Close encounters Encounters. uh this yeah this will uh yeah i think it's better than us too all right yeah i I think that i think that might be true and looking looking here like it should even even without rewatch just watching that trailer and kind of feeling like the emotions come back like it should it should at least be at nine on my list. Yeah. Uh, so that's a an oversight, as number we seven, say. Baby. Number number seven for me is RRR. Oh, I uh, trailer. Yeah, I, and uh, <laughs> just 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 reiterating everything we both said about it. It's a a, com- a completely thrilling movie. Uh, the exact opposite of Petite Maman in that it's like three hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, but, very long. Uh, but you don't you don't feel that. Unless you start watching it at like nine forty-five and have to stop halfway through, and that's fine too. It which, worked, which we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, go was, back to it for like two weeks. Later. That was what they call in the business a mistake. <laughs> I was looking at the trailer. I was like, it seems like a lot happens in this movie. Oh, How long? Quite is this a movie? bit that happens. It's over three hours long. Yeah. yeah, it's an epic in every sense of the word. What's your favorite set piece? I. It could I, be the dance, could be a battle, could be the montage and them becoming friends. I think it's uh, I think it's the dance because it's just so uh, thoroughly like well produced and like big and flashy. Yeah. But I think the best scene is uh, sort of the uh, the imprisonment and torture of uh, of one of them. Oh, is it you include the uh... The, the the whipping scene in public. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's 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 specifically what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Um, I do love when they uh, when he's captured. It's been like a few months, and they go, uh, "Well, we've kept him isolated one meal every week, just like you suggest." He uh, he's not going. He's like he's he's withering, and they come back to him, and he's just doing pull ups in the cell. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like totally fine. Uh, it's it's uh, it's great. All right, my number seven is the other blockbuster on my list. That's right. How could you have a top ten list without Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, and this is my number six, so we can just talk about it in tandem here. Um, You know, it's interesting because 
The first movie we saw in a theater after the pandemic, after 15, 18 months, it was, our, six it, was months, it was our our return to theaters was Top Gun. Yeah, in a Dolby Cinema. And I've seen Top Gun at that point a few times, and you had never I'd, seen it. No, I, I'd seen it once before, okay. I think, yeah. And we just left that going, like, either that was just us being excited to be back in a theater, or that movie fucking rocks. <laughs> and I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, have, having watched Top Gun before, my thought was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't really get it, but, like, it was good. Uh, and then seeing it in the theater was, like, partially like, oh, that, that movie is made to be watched in theaters. Yeah. Uh, and I, I definitely think it is. Uh, it is just going to be a little, a little extra it was special. A perfect movie to like go back uh, to the cinema to see. But so yeah, but this Top was... Gun Maverick exceeds it in every way. And and I think that for me, a lot of it starts with it's the most basic storytelling. They have one mission. They spend the entire movie telling us every detail about that mission. So when the mission happens, we know exactly what's happening, what could go wrong, if they're doing well or not. It's just like it's a perfect mold for a movie. Yeah. And you could call it lazy, but when you have the technical expertise, like they put, they they put cameras on planes and flew them around like this. This is all practical. It's fucking nuts. The cinematography is great. Tom Cruise is just like charismaing the hell out of that screen. Who's better at like eyes and a mask than him right now? He's just you t- know every emotion he's going through. The supporting cast is great. It like made I saw it with my mom the second time. It made me emotional. In the theater, like, when, 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 um, at the end, with him and Goose's son, and there's, like, a line where he goes, like, you know, thank you for saving my life, because this is what my father would have done, or something. There's some yeah. line where I was like, oh my yeah, god, yeah. oh my god. Um, and it's just, it's fucking awesome, man. When, when they crash land, and then they have to go steal a plane, like, they have to steal a plane? That's so cool! Uh, and then, of course, there's the, the, like, the fucking jet when they're being chased by two planes and then they blow up the plane and then they fly behind the other plane so the missile crashes the already hit plane it's just it's so cool man i yeah. saw this in theaters like it's, four times it is uh, it is it is the exciting blockbuster event of the year uh and was was just com- completely thrilling every time and even like you know, I watched it. Uh, I watched it with Katie just on on our TV when it uh, when it was oh. finally uh, available on streaming. This was just like a month ago or so, uh, and it's it still just works. Like it's yeah. a it is a theatrical spectacle and was completely worth seeing in in IMAX and in the weird shaky theater thing that we did that yeah, one 40X, time. Yeah, forty X. Yeah, didn't quite work, but no. No, it didn't. It sprayed us with water, though. Yeah, I mean, that was the part where I was like, yeah, this makes sense. But I wish the seats should have been bigger and, like, the foot rest, because my foot kept falling off. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's a spectacle, and it's of the highest order. Yeah, and just, like, the supporting cast, you know, to not to not just have Tom Cruise coming back and doing Tom Cruise things, yeah. but getting, getting Miles Teller and getting Glenn Powell uh, to come in and be the exciting and charismatic next generation... Uh, the fucking the fucking scene with Iceman was oh, was incredible. Yeah. yeah, you want to talk talk about emotional and touching. Yeah, uh, yeah, incre- incredible stuff from Top Gun Maverick. All, All right. right, and now we can we can get straight into your six, which is Marcel the Shell with shoes on a uh, a small movie about a about big dreams. Let's say that or a small protagonist, big dreams. Anyway, sure. uh, based on some shorts that. Um, uh, Jenny Slate did with uh, Dean Fleischer Camp, might be his name. 
this is of course a feature film it's about a, a show who lives in a home who lost her family and it's just such a gentle portrait of family and love and it breaks your heart and it makes you laugh and it's so creative and just in just a, it's a delight it makes you feel good watching this movie and the ending is so sweet and beautiful and there's a really really um special bit of the ending where you know she says grandma would like to come down here and just feel the wind blow through her shell and just that idea of like just taking it in and feeling a power that's stronger than you move through you and, and it's just it's a beautiful beautiful uh film about uh gentleness and kindness it's great it's just great just yeah it is it is it is very funny it's very touching it is a it is very just charming to look at yeah I am really, really enjoyed watching this. All right, number five. All right. I, every so often, you come into a movie, and when I say you, I mean me. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, a pretty, I'm a pretty guarded uh, moviegoer and just gen, guy in general regarding like, my excitement for things. You do go with a suit armor to every movie. It's just very... Well, I mean, I mean, if we get there late, it makes a lot of noise sitting down. It's, it's very hot, too. It's a yeah. dangerous world out yeah. there. <laughs> It keeps your, it's so loud when you go to get popcorn and shing, popcorn and it slides and it goes shing, and people keep looking at this. I'll, you know, you'll see a trailer for a movie and I'll think like, oh yeah, you know, that, that looks good, but I can also kind of see how maybe it'll go wrong. It'll be everything I hoped it was. And that is exactly what happened when uh, the three of us saw Barbarian. Oh yeah. I, I love Barbarian. Caught me. Ahmad, you're welcome to. You've seen some of these. You're welcome to comment on what you thought. If you think these are bad choices, no, I've I've been on board with with all of the movies that I have also seen that I, you all have talked about. I I I, I take exception to the fact that we waited for my entry of Barbarian to you to chime in with it. Like Barbarian. Ahmad, if you disagree with any of these picks, <laughs> <laughs> I. I get to mine and I go. So my number five is this. Now I, I'm, I'm, I get if you don't want to be mean and don't want to say anything negative, that's totally fine too. <laughs> Barbarian. Barbarian tells the story of tells the story of <laughs> go ahead, a is this be? a a crossed wires uh, Airbnb connection. That's the story. A young woman and a young man have both booked this hotel, and that leads to strangeness. Uh, you know there is. It's a it's a dark night. It's raining. It's creepy. There's uh, you know there is of course uh, gender and sexual politics at play. But then, what if there's also tunnels under that Airbnb? What if things uh, if start to creak in the night? <laughs> yeah, and what if in those tunnels <laughs> you find a barbarian? I uh, and that was that was all the trailer gave us. Yeah. I and I was like, fuck yeah, man! Like that that is a perfect premise. Uh, it's it's exciting and modern, but also classic. And like, what could go wrong when there's tunnels? Uh, everything. And then the movie itself. What could go wrong if there's tunnels? <laughs> the movie itself does that, and it yeah. does it all so well. And it builds to this huge moment of. I'm glad we're watching this trailer because you guys were like, Justin Long's in this, and he's in this trailer. You'll it, see. That's him. weird. Yeah. Uh, so I always knew he was in it. It builds to this huge moment of tension, and you're revealing a little more of what's in these tunnels. There's a, a horrible room with a camera, and then oh, yeah, there's cages, and then there's just bare rock. And then there's Justin Long, who is in the funniest, 
most exciting and catch you off guard transition <laughs> where so- suddenly it's an actor who's being canceled who is losing all his jobs so he's deciding to sell his uh, his rental property yeah which is of course the Airbnb in question uh, and he comes back and it's just in the funniest fucking movie for 10 minutes 15 minutes and then it and then it gets scary again and kind of loses you as I as I no, understand I did. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. You were talking. You I was notice. talking, but here, this is going to be Justin now. There. Oh, okay. All right. Sure. But even there, he's in the scary part. Yeah. Of uh, of Justin Long's thing, you don't ever expect to just see uh, Justin Long singing along while he's driving <laughs> with the top down. Uh, and it just it just thrilled me. It was it was it was spectacular and and exciting and fresh and scary and funny and i, I loved it this is number I gotta... <laughs> hold on 57 right below world's fair right below world's fair <laughs> that is a great party and list. the north <laughs> the north is right below Fair. i loved that chunkier <laughs> list <laughs> uh which by the way which by the way is right by Pretty sure it's right by the um, the three and a half. It's not too far away. Okay. Um, no, it is. Uh, it is. I like a lot about it. I like the movie. I love the first bit with the 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 room. I think that's some really comedic horror, awkward intention. Uh, I love the bits in the tunnel. Justin Long's bit is great. I think it just falls apart at the end. But I do think that everything leading up to it is well worth the price of admission. And um, and I get why everyone likes it so much. My number five is a movie that Noah just watched. The Sea Beast. Yep. Uh, no, it is my, uh, the documentary that's on my list is Fire of Love. Okay. About to, and I, I saw this in theaters and I was like, am I just being swept away by just this fucking footage, uh, which is so cool on a big screen. And then I was like, I need to watch it again. I did. And I was like, no, it's, it's that good. Weird. <laughs> I did not change the volume at the all. Sound the sound is bad. <laughs> it's about uh, Katya and Maurice. Uh, God, what's their name? Uh, uh, anyway, Katya and Maurice. They keep calling them, so we'll just go with that. Two Vulcan Vulc- Vulcanologists. Is that how you pronounce yeah. their profession? They study volcanoes. Uh, they're a married couple, a French couple in the seventies and eighties, who all they did was study volcanoes. They never had children. They devoted their life to learning about them to help the prevention of them are just the um to help predict eruptions and and lead to yeah to, to, sa- to say to save people's lives when they explode and it's a quirky story about two weirdos who spend all their time you know sweating their asses off at volcanoes that's what they love to do and they were two souls who there's a great moment where they you know they they, they say like we never really know how they met or where they were, but they lived like a mile apart from yeah. each other. Two perfect souls that lived a mile apart from each other that finally found one another. Um, it's the best love story of the year, probably, and it is filled with beautiful, awe-inspiring footage of nature, of lava, of magma, of uh, rock. It is just a monumental piece of editing it's edited like a thriller it's edited like a comedy it's it's um so unbelievably entertaining and special and sweet and at the end 
Um, heartbreaking, but also, you know, poetic. Yeah, it's just, it's you, you, you kind of know going in how this story is going to turn out. They say the first line of the doc is like, uh, this is Katia Maurice, whatever the last name is. Tomorrow they will be dead. <laughs> like yeah. It says it, it opens with that. And we see it at the end, and it's uh, it's beautiful. It's just two people who couldn't who couldn't possibly do anything else with anyone else, and how special it is that they found each other, and how they're heroes. It's great. So this is actually them in the footage. It's not like actors no, that's playing real them? footage. That's oh, real wow. footage. Fox Searchlight just bought the rights to it. They're going to be making a remake of this story. Oh, wow. But this is all footage they shot. Yeah, they they spent they spent their entire lives just taking. Uh, photographs and videos of volcanoes mm. and then uh, you know going home to make make, make like a film and a book about it and to stuff. pay huh. for their next trip to yeah. go take uh, pictures of volcanoes and the what did you we haven't really talked about it what did you think about this yeah it, it, it's it was not on it, your it is it is mesmerizing I I I was telling you this the other day I think that watching molten rock is like the single most transfixing thing in the world just seeing seeing it sort of uh, you know some sometimes it can be like a rushing river yeah. other times it's just like it is slowly oozing and cascading like watching uh, like watching taffy be pulled uh and it then you you sometimes will like, see like it the thickness of it yeah. yeah exactly or or you'll you'll see it you'll see it just in the moment harden and turn to actual rock how about that mm-hmm. incredible shot of the lava going into the ocean yeah yeah. And then it's in the, they sh- they put the camera in the ocean and you can see it like cooling immediately but then like lava pushes out of it and then that hardens and yeah. it's like this like move it looks like a moving organism in the water it's just it's incredible. Yeah. It's, and it's terrifying. A, it's, a, it's a very cool movie. <laughs> it's terrifying. But it's like it's I think it's one of the best nature docs just for this footage they got and they got it because they were just Right there, all the time, right next to it. Yeah, um, and is uh, is on Disney Plus. And it's uh, a sub hour and a half. I have so many things to watch. <laughs> sub hour and a half. I, I I hope it wins on Sunday. That'd be cool. All right, number five. Or did you? Uh, do no, five? I did my number five. Number We're into four. our top fours, uh, and I believe this is just gonna. I mean, the positionings aren't gonna match up. Yeah, I, I think, think, our, I think our, four, four. our four for four is <laughs> gonna be the same top four. All right, great. Yeah, so we can uh, uh, number four might match up. Maybe. Uh, my number four is Tar. That's mine. All right, let's talk about Tar. Tar. Uh, Idiot Tar. <laughs> tar is... Uh, Ma, did you see Tar? No, also on my list. You'd okay. love Tar. Yeah. <laughs> I also told him he'd love Triangle of Sadness. Do you second this? I, yeah, I think so. Uh, tri- Triangle of Sadness you is... Clip, uh, yeah, and we're Luke probably going to... Karen wants to see it, too, so we're probably going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, I sent sometimes. the Balenciaga H&M clip. Okay. With the guy just going, oh, you're so poor, you can't, you can't afford it. Just, oh, you so... Oh, it's just great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you warn them both about how it's gross? Nope. Okay. Would you like me to? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think people there's should a, go in. All right, there's a section of it where everyone gets food poisoning and they vomit a lot. Oh. And there's shit involved. I will it's, warn Karen about that. It's a, you'll know it when it's going to happen. And it's a uh, it's maybe a ten minute scene. It's not. Oh, wow. yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> ten minutes. The movie's two and a half hours, so it's not long compared to the movie. 
But, Noah yeah. hates vomit on screen and poopy, and you were you were decently okay. <laughs> yeah, I made it through. Yeah, uh, it's it's gross though. Just yeah. I, 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 I think I, I think you should go was, into Triangle's head as knowing that I thought it was very funny, it and is. it sucks because the first vomit happens on a window and it happens right after they're talking about the grenades, the people with the grenades. Yeah. What's what are their lines? Can you just go over? Do you remember them? <laughs> No, I do, oh. I do not remember their lines. They're talking to this nice old couple, and they're like, uh, we're arms dealers. And the, to the model couple, are like, what? They're like, yes, we make hand grenades. <laughs> we, oh. we we used to make landmines. <laughs> That's not really an industry anymore. Yeah, and they're good. They're talking as if it's just like a normal thing to tell people. Yeah, to do. like, oh, <laughs> plastics. Yeah. I... Tar, though. Tar! Uh, the story Lydia of Lydia Tar, Mom. our most Lydia famous uh, and prolific composer yeah. who doesn't exist. I, this movie is, you know, it is it is primarily carried by Kate Blanchett's performance. Her, maybe her best performance. Probably her best performance. Yeah, uh, she is outstandingly good in this movie. I, it is, like, just deeply rich and complex, challenging. It's interesting, yeah. and uh, you know, it's a little it's a little funny at times. It it's speaks. A you know, it speaks this to a lot of the <laughs> the questions that we have these days about, like, what is what is it for a person to be canceled and to face the repercussions yeah. of the sort of toxic actions that have carried them to the level of greatness that they've achieved? I yeah. uh, and it is, it's just a completely fully realized portrait of a character, which is like if this, if this movie was about. Like what it is for people to be canceled, I, I don't give a shit. That's not interesting at all. Uh, what it is for Lydia Tarr yeah. to be canceled, uh, is, it's perfect. This is the most precise movie of the year. Everything is in the exact place it needs to be, happening at the exact time it needs to happen. Nothing is out of place, much like how an orchestra would need to perform. Everything is at its peak, working exactly how it should. Um, it's a horror movie at times. There's a psychological element to it. Half of the, you could take a portion of the movie to only happen in her brain if you want. Um, it's it's and I think Todd Field deserves enough credit. Uh, did I already read this page? I don't remember. Let's say I didn't. In the script, he says based on this script's page count. This is before any of the script is. This is the second page of the script. Based on the script's page count, it would be reasonable to assume that the total running time for Tar will be well under two hours. It's a 94-page script. There will be tempo... However, this is, will not be a reasonable film. There will be tempo changes and soundscapes that require more time than is represented on the page and, of course, a great deal of music performed on screen. All this to say, if you are mad enough to greenlight this film, be prepared for one whose necessary length represents these practical accommodations. Basically daring people to greenlight his movie, give him money for it. It's very bold. It's a movie that was so um, grounded and, and captivating that there was a debate on Twitter as to whether she was a real person. or just a legitimate question people had of, is Lydia Tarr real? Yeah. And she's not. Um, it's just a, it's a really funny movie at times. It's a really daring movie at times. It's just, it's fascinating. And I think it'll only get better with age. Yeah. It's really great. I, I have a prediction that our number two matches up and we've flip flopped. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's right. I, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to skip my number three here. That's good. Cause you're going to give mine away if you say it. Uh, and then. 
go to uh, yeah. you can go to your number two. And then number when two. I say my number three, you'll just talk about your number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll each do that. That makes sense. People definitely uh, that. Is do we match up number two here on everything everywhere all at once? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. I. Ahmad saw this. Yes. Oh, Great that's movie. good. I. You were uh, were you were you into the were you into the ho- the sausage finger stuff? Oh uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what that's what drew you. I uh, this is the movie it's his kink. that is, <laughs> yeah, but it's not that they're made of. He just likes dipping his fingers in mustard. Sure. Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, I uh, this, not this is... ketchup. He's from Chicago. He's not dipping his fingers in ketchup. Well, yeah, that would that would be unreasonable. <laughs> I, this is the movie that is sort of uh, running the table at all of the award shows, is likely to be awarded the Best Picture uh, Oscar next week, uh, and is, uh, is, to my mind, such a perfect blend of weird, silly, uh, you know, slapstick and strange stuff going on. It is, uh, it's, it's daring and unusual, but... Also grounds all of that uh, incredibly weird multiversal nonsense in just a, a very well-drawn emotional core. Uh, this story of a, a, a woman who is sort of at odds with her daughter and at odds with her husband and just not satisfied with her life. And then she becomes a multiversal superhero and sort of learns the meaning of family. Uh, and it's uh, it was enrapturing. Like I went into this movie. This this is one that I was kind of guarded against. For I was like, this seems yeah, like something that I'll really like, but maybe it's too weird. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out no, it was the perfect level of weird. Well, I wasn't with... a big fan of Swiss Army Man. Sure. Which is the Daniel's uh, last film. That yeah. The uh, the Fart Factory. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> People don't know what that is. What they is fart a lot weird. in that movie. Yeah. It's it's just like an hour and a half of two guys farting, <laughs> and one of them is dead. Oh. Yeah, you get it more and more complicated. <laughs> well, they're they're Paul strange Dano dudes. Finds a corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe, who farts a lot, and he ends up riding him like a jet ski. His farts being the motor. It, I, yeah. I didn't care for it. Um, I, this, I, thought, I thought it was pretty fun. This movie, however, is a masterpiece, and it was my number one for eight months, and uh, I just had to let my heart lead. I connected to one movie more than this, but um, me too. This, this is my number two, and I think that it's everything you said. It's the perfect blend of quirk and um, sentimentalism, and it's just the perfect combination of filmmaking. It's it's everything is unique about it. Everything is special about it. Everything is something we haven't seen before. Um, it is a, a gem. It is heartfelt and. and Beautiful. It's filled with incredibly beautiful performances, and everything is so grounded in emotion. Its filmmaking styles are varied uh, based on what perspective they're taking, and and it's it's a movie of complete uh, passion, and um, I, it deserves every accolade it gets this year. Yeah. Ahmad, you were into this one. Oh yeah, and I I think the quirky parts of this movie were actually like. One of my favorite things about it, like the the rock scene, was <laughs> the, I just the, love it. The rock the rock scene is <laughs> that was uh, one of my favorite scenes of the year. Scene of the year. Uh, no, it was it was a contender. Was a contender? For me, yeah, I uh, yeah, because that that is the is the per, is the perfect blend of like this is this is so quirky and random. They mm-hmm. they've now become two rocks with googly eyes <laughs> that are talking, 
But also the things they're talking about are just very sad and well realized mm-hmm. and emotional. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was incredible stuff when they were rocks. All right, Ahmad hasn't seen either of ours unless something has changed. Ooh. So this would be good, good us to talk it up for him. Okay. So go ahead, Noah. Talk about your number one movie of the year. Yeah, my number one, your number three, uh, The Banshees of Inishirin. That's right. I fucking right. Yeah, Fick. the uh, <laughs> the time that I uh, I reveal, I think that this is Martin McDonough's best movie. Yeah. I uh, not thousand percent. Not necessarily my favorite. In Bruges is a movie that is very important to I, me. I think this is my favorite. Uh, but I think that this this movie is better. Yeah. Uh, Martin McDonough has a reputation as like a sort of, especially in his filmmaking, uh, a sort of darkly comedic guy. Uh, he finds, uh, he finds humor in a story about hitmen or a story about like gangsters and screenwriters. Uh, even, even something like, uh, like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was mm. a much more like a much sadder and more emotional. Did you see that Ahmad? Yeah. Okay. Uh, straightforward too. Yeah, that 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 is still kind of like there is there is a lot more dark humor and a lot more like big emotion in that. I uh, and so you go into the Banshees of Inisherin and it's like, oh, two guys that are friends their whole lives until suddenly they're not, and you're expecting it to be funny, and it's not really like it's it's kind of funny, but this movie is just profoundly sad. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I I found to be so moving, uh, all of the characters in this uh, I think uh, you know Colin Colin, uh, Colin Farrell's character is uh, is just a just a guy trying to live his life, uh, in in the face of his best friend who suddenly become like a surly asshole, little older than him, kind of con- considering what it what it will be like in the waning years. And trying to, trying to work towards like a legacy and leaving something behind and just burning his whole life down in the process. Literally. Uh, yeah. The supporting performances. Uh, Carrie Condon plays uh, Colin Farrell's sister, uh, and she's kind of the one being like, "What's the matter with all of you? I got to get out of here." Uh, Barry Cowan as the uh, the town simpleton. I <laughs> uh, is just just incredible all around this this movie is uh, is just incredibly moving is and and it, it is at times funny uh, there are there are jokes and there are laughs to be had in sort of the way that uh, old-fashioned irish people would talk to each other mm. uh, but just just a a completely earned a uh, hugely felt emotion which is what like the thing i'm looking for most in watching a movie or a TV show is I want, I want this to make me feel something and I, I want it to, I want it to earn that. And this, this made me feel very, uh, thoughtful and sad and was just incredibly done. I wish I could have this movie higher. I love this movie. I th- and I, you know, you say it's a, it's got laughs. I think this movie's hysterical. I, th- and it's sad. It's so sad, but it's, it never made me, like that sad I think that everything that happens in it is what should happen and I think that it's like beautiful the conclusion that they come to here it's a movie about a breakup and it's like yeah you guys shouldn't 
be together. You know, I, I there's something about it that's like, if this is how you feel, then this is a good thing that's happening. And uh, I'm reading some of the, the lines from it, and, like, it's just... Uh, <laughs> look at this I found. A stick with a hook. What would you use it for, I wonder? To hook things that are the length of a stick away? <laughs> so fun. Like, yeah, it's that's... Just, it's so f- and then and then there's there's lines that I'm not putting me donkey outside when I'm sad. Okay, I mean there's the donkey. You didn't talk about the do- donkey's great. I didn't talk about the donkey, the greatest animal <laughs> performance of the, <laughs> the year. Donkey's great. <laughs> um, I, I think that ever I think Colin Farrell gives like the performance of his life here. I think he's perfect and sad and pathetic and sweet and everything you want it to be. Carrie Condon is. I don't even know enough people talk about her in this movie. I really don't. I think she's such a source of strength and despair in this movie and. You you're so happy for her when she makes her decision. You're just like, yes, do it. You know, and even though it makes you sad, I think so much of this is is you saying this makes me sad, but I want you to do it. That's as the audience. That's how I feel like this makes you sad. This is happening, but this is what has to be done. Uh, and then there's like just some lines, like some things. There's no moving on from, and I think that's a good thing. It's just like you know, and if 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 punching a policeman is a sin, we may as well just pack up and go home. Yeah, it's so funny. That, my favorite line, I, the, I, the most poetic line in this movie to me that means so much to me personally is, "Do you, the the priest says, do you think God gives a damn about miniature donkeys?" Column and Column says, "I fear he doesn't, and I fear that's where we've all gone wrong. Like if 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 God can't care about a little dumb animal like a miniature donkey, if that's not important enough to us, then I think we're lost as a people. Like why not? Why isn't that enough?" And it's so beautiful. It's shot beautifully. Like, everything... And it's... It's a lot like Grand Budapest where there's, like, a violence just permeating from the edges. The civil war that's going on right across the water. Um, it might have been a civil war. I don't know. But this war going on right across the water. Uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful movie uh, that I get a, a kick out of uh, just even thinking about. It. I think it's great. Yeah. It's, it's just a very exciting watch. All right. Um... Your number three, yep. my number one. I even after I saw this, I kept thinking, "Is this better than everything ever all at once?" I, I, I don't know if it is, but I can't stop thinking about it. And eventually, I just had to to give in and say, "Yes, yes, it is." And I watched it last night, um, just for fun. And it is after some, the best. Movie of the year. Charlotte Wells is, um, I think, semi-autobiographical film uh, about memories and about childhood. I won't give away. It's tough to talk about this movie without talking about the ending and what the movie is and what it's about. But let's just say it's about as an adult looking back on time you had and with parents and not really knowing what was going on. Um, and thinking back and going, oh, that that must have been how they were feeling, and I just they hid it from me, and I didn't know, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful take on memory. We're showing the trailer, and I just want to point out how a lot of this is from uh, a child's perspective. We keep the camera at waist length. This is a movie about a girl who is noticing um, adults. And she's noticing, there's a, a couple lines where the dad says, go introduce yourself to this girl your age. She says, no, she wants to hang out with the teenager. She's she's seeing teenagers touch each other, and she's like, is that something I might want? It's it's, it's We all remember those, those moments of like, I'm not a kid, I'm an adult, leave me alone, and I want to 
even if like these cool kids are drinking beer, which I don't want to drink and, um, and doing these things I don't really want to do, I want them to think of me as an equal. And that's such a powerful thing. That's a, such a, a small part of this movie that I latch onto. It's filmed beautifully. It's, uh, so I didn't cry last night. I tried to make myself cry. I didn't, but I watched it with my mom and I sobbed like a baby. It's, um, it's a really, uh, touching and special film. It's got the best scene of the year at the end. Um, I absolutely agree with that. You're going to walk away the same person after you see this. It's such a representation of how you remember um, insignificant and significant things in your life and about um, trying to intellectualize decisions people made. And uh, when you're an adult, you realize this must have been how my parents were feeling. And it's, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking film, and it's, it's also funny and sweet and... Um, it, 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 it won't leave me for a good long time. Yeah. This is, this is another one of those movies that is, uh, is about a, a child at a crossroads and coming to understand their parent as a person rather than their father. Yeah. Uh, it's just, just really told through the, uh, the story of one, one summer vacation that they took to a sort of, a, a middling resort destination in Turkey. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it's just everything you said is this this young this young girl is like right on the precipice of starting to become a fully formed person and understanding the world around her uh, and understanding her father and uh, seeing seeing her father through different eyes I uh, you know I don't I don't have much more to say about it than you haven't already said but it is it is absolutely beautiful and it's worth a second watch you notice so many things that Charlotte Wells who's the writer director is setting up here yeah um, it is uh, it's just uh, it's, it's a beautiful tiny piece of cinema that's uh, it's funny I was watching it with two people here uh, Ian and Devin and they kept saying like why is it shot like that what does this shot mean and I was like I'll tell you at the end. Like yeah. we can talk about the end. There's a reason why everything looks the way it does, and we can talk about the end. It's uh, it's just it's even that. I just I just there's there's an image where she's looking at like it looks like a straw. What what do you think that pink thing is? She's looking at. It's like a mermaid. Okay, so that's just a shot. Is she's looking at it because of the form of the body? That's why she's looking at that. Uh-huh. So that's an adult woman's body. Like I just I just got that now. Um, it's a, it's an absolutely uh, uh, masterful. It's the best of the year. All right. That's it. Amad, any others of your favorites this year that we didn't say that you might want to shout out real quick? Uh, definitely Pearl and X. I think yeah. the combination of the two of those movies were uh, one of my favorites of the year. They just, just released casting work. announcements for Maxine. Oh, really? Yeah, let me... I think... Uh, um, Kevin Bacon is going to be in it. Oh, that's uh, cool. They just did this. So this should pop right up. It also means that they're getting going on it too, which is good. Helena Bottom Carter is going to be in it. Ooh, love her. And I think there's one other person that we see. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No, that's just all. This. All right, there were two others, but it's fine. Yeah, so they're casting, which means we're going to get that yeah, soon, hopefully. That's cool. Those uh, I I really enjoyed both of those. And Ahmad, I'm kind of curious where you land because I know that, like, generally, I think that Pearl was good and X was great. Uh, and Brian, I think you're basically the opposite. Yeah, X uh, X was really good, and Pearl was great. Yeah. Uh, do you do you what's what's your preferred between the two? I think I think I like Pearl better. Yeah. 
I, they're they're so both so good. Yeah, well, <laughs> but that wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, I've got to put Pearl over X. Um, I think everyone should see Decision to Leave. Also, it's great. It Decision to Leave. List. Yeah, didn't make my list. Anything else mod from this year? Uh, I think those were all of my. All right, we did list a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, no, run run through your ten real quick. Boom, all boom, right, boom. ten to one. You've got Living. We're all going to the World's Fair. Petite Maman. R R R. Top Gun Maverick, Barbarian, Tar, After Sun, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Banshees of Inishirin. And I have The Fablemans, RRR, Nope, Top Gun Maverick, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and number five, Fire of Love, number four, Tar, number three, The Banshees of Inishirin, and number two, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and the best movie of 2022, After Sun. Okay. Tournament time. Are we? Uh, you think we think we're gonna make it through? Oh yeah. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, like just Where do you even begin? <laughs> Let me figure this out. Okay. Uh, new tournament. Uh, here we go. It is March, so we have to bring back Multiplex Madness. Um, this year we have the uh, unenviable task of searching for the greatest blockbuster franchise of all time. Uh, it's our most uh, expansive tournament, and we've expanded the number of categories that each thing has to win by. It's a whole thing. We've broken the films up into original franchises and adapted franchises. Today we're doing the original franchises. Um, in a little something we're calling Multiplex Madness. Pronounced with an IP. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, Ahmad is not going to be... Uh, he. We didn't force him to watch... 64 movies. Uh, so he's just going to be here for commentary and, and hanging out purposes. Um, what are our seven? We have seven now. We do. What uh, do we got? Our seven categories. You have best film. Yeah. Uh, just one uh, one individual film. Quality control. Uh, is the franchise full of good movies? Or is it the Jaws franchise, for instance, uh, where it's not... Uh, consistency in gross. Is this a franchise that has had long-term sustained success? Or did it just kind of peak in one or two places and then uh, sort of fizzle out as it went on? Uh, franchise growth. Did it, uh, did, it turn into, did it turn into something new? Was it able to expand on the success yeah. that it first found? Or did it just kind of cling to what it had as long as it could? Uh, similarly, longevity. Just how was this a flash in the pan, or is this uh, is this something that has uh, carried across eras in movie making, across generations, even? Right. Uh, the legacy. Uh, this is a, a carryover from uh, from our tournaments past. Just what what is uh, how do people look back on this today? Is this is this something that had a lot of success, but now we think on as uh, not something that we're that fond of. Is it something that maybe had less success than other movies in the franchise or in other franchises in the tournament, rather, but has uh, has become uh, culturally important? Uh, and then finally, uh, as a sort of tiebreaker, we've got our milestones. Uh, is this a movie that had the biggest or a franchise? I'm going to keep doing that the whole tournament. Okay. Did it have the biggest opening weekend? Did it have a movie that was the highest grossing of all time? Uh, things like that. What sort of individual stats, statistical yeah. achievements uh, did this franchise accumulate? Is it possible that we still have a tie just because there's two of us? Or there's no way because there's seven categories? I mean, I, last time we had five and we were, there were ties. Yeah, I mean, I think it's technically possible, but much less likely. Which we never, we have not discussed the... Uh... 
tiebreaker. But it's okay. We'll figure it out if it needs to happen. You All right. Our first matchup, the one seed Star Wars versus the 32nd seed Taken. Now, uh, this would be the time where I go through and say, what do we think about this matchup and what are our predictions? But let's just get right to it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think all of the just... all of the relevant information and statistics that we're going to need to shout out, we'll just talk about over the course. Of, oh no, I uh, just meant like we'd go like, so Amon, what do you think of this matchup? Oh that yeah, that thing. too. That's what sure. I meant. I'm I'm not going to read down all the things. <laughs> Star Wars does have twelve films. Taken has uh, three, and the total box office five point one domestic versus three seventy four. Yeah. For Taken, uh, our first category, Noah, best film. So that, I guess, would be Taken for Taken. Yes, that would be Taken for Taken. <laughs> and uh, we both agree The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film. And guess what? It's better than Taken. It is better than Taken. So that's a quick first win Easy for the Star Wars franchise. Uh, uh, quality Taken's control. just, like, not that it's, good? No, it's not. Everyone's what's your what's your view on Taken? I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah, I, th- I think I've seen the first two. Were there three? How yeah. Many? yeah. Yeah, I didn't see the third one. Um... It was okay at the time, but it's not a movie that I would probably ever watch again, no, to be honest. No, there's nothing interesting about it. No, no, no. Um, quality, quality control. control. This is, this is going to be one that I don't think is particularly interesting here, uh, but is going to be an interesting uh, sort of drawback for Star Wars as we sure, go Sure, because on. the middle trilogy people really don't like, and then you got it ended on a sour note. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. However, taking got worse each time, according to critics. <laughs> And I didn't see any of the others, so I imagine that's correct. Yeah, Taken started poorly and went down, whereas Star Wars, like, uh, has incredible highs. And while it's uh, the prequel trilogy is really bad, and I think a lot of the sequel trilogy is, in retrospect, not that great, uh, it still, like, has quality in it. Yeah, so and a control pretty... meaning that they were able to get back to quality. Yeah, so this is a pretty easy win for Star Wars here That's as two. well. All right, franchise growth. I mean, again, Taken is a law of diminishing returns, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, uh, yeah, the first film, 145. Second film, 139. Last film, 89 domestic. And it peaked worldwide on the second film. So it went down domestically each three films and it ended on a, a, a downer for the third film and Titanic Titanic <laughs> Star Wars um, continually made a lot of money even though the last film did end on a downer note I just think that the drop off uh, was more consistent with Taken than Star Wars oh yeah because Star Wars still was setting like huge all time numbers with movie 7 yeah it's the uh, I believe the highest grossing domestic film of all time. Is that correct? Yes. $100 uh, million dollars domestic for Force Awakens. Yeah, and so that's uh, that's huge growth yeah. from uh, from the past. All right. That's all of them? Uh, oh, gross, I skipped gross consistency. Yes. Yeah. Also, Star Wars. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> it's just... Yeah, Star, 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 the first Star Wars was uh, the highest grossing movie of all time, right? Yeah, uh, at, at the time, and it just keeps doing that. That's the number one film of the gets. year eight times out of the twelve films. Yeah, wow. so yes, and that's a sweep. Yes, that is a, uh, a, a quick uh, a quick four nothing. Goodbye, for Star Brian, Wars. Brian Mills or something, whatever his name is. All that right, could be our second matchup. Here we go. The very topical second seed, Rocky, 
versus the 31st seed Final Destination. Rocky has nine films. Creed 3 just came out this weekend. Final Destination has five. Um, best film is these new Rocky. We just yeah. skip best film. I, I like Final Destination fine. Uh, Rocky, especially Rocky and Creed, whichever you're going to take as the best film of the bunch is just way better. Yes. What's next? Uh, next we have Quality Control. Uh, so the, but both both it's of these still, franchises are. Uh, I mean, the average uh, here. Let's say it this way: the the highest Rotten Tomato of Final Destination is sixty two, uh-huh. but the average is forty three. Okay. And the highest of Rocky is ninety five, and the average is sixty nine. Still at the seventy percent mark over nine films. Um, I also think that, like, in general, the Final Destination movies, like, the first one was good. I, only one of them got good reviews, which was the Final Destination. It's the only one that's positively reviewed. Yeah. It's a, it's a franchise that put out a bunch of, like, okay to, like, bad but yeah. in a fun way movies that you can watch and have a good time. But... Rocky has several good installments and then completely blew the doors off the place with Creed. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a, a vote for uh, a vote for Rocky franchise there as well. Consistency of gross. Yeah, I mean, let me pull up my chart. Do you have the the two links already up or no? Uh, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm missing the the correct ones here, but I'll uh, I'll get them. All right, so consistency of gross. So I mean, Rocky had some dips. Let me see if the issue issue with consistency of growth is like if it's consistently down sure then that's consistent but not the way you want it to be um found destination is pretty fucking consistent with its gross 53 this is domestic 53 46 54 66 and 42 it never really spends more than like 25 million dollars yes it's not big grosses but it's all pretty much in the same ballpark rocky had its low at 40 and its high for now at 127 only four of the films have grossed over uh 100 million for now um other than that i mean four films out of the nine grossing over 100 70 million is a good total for rocket i don't know what, what what are you thinking with this yeah i think that uh, i think that given the extra the extra volume that the rocky franchise has uh, and i'm Hey, what do you think about this for a measurement of consistency of gross? Where I have the average box office for all the films. Ah. Uh-huh. And so we take that, and if it's closest to the highest gross of the films, then it seems like it's pretty consistent. Okay. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? Sure. So Rocky has 99 million average for domestic, and the highest grossing Rocky movie is 128. Final Destination, highest is 66, average is 52. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine giving this as a as a point to the Final Destination yeah, franchise because so. that is uh, yeah, so. that did that did score it scored very well. All right, franchise growth. Well, I mean, this has to be just for Creed alone. This has to be the Rocky franchise. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It spawned it spawned its own little mini franchise. Yeah, which is going to become its main franchise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, longevity. Yeah. Creed three just opened to fifty eight million dollars. We'll go with Rocky. It's been and it's been going on for it. a decade. We have not gone to legacy yet. Yeah, that was the first time in the longevity. All right, we've only done two. It's the first time. Can you believe it? Out of two. 
What are the odds? All right, the three seed Toy Story takes on the 30 seed The Blair Witch Project. Five films for Toy Story, three films for Blair Witch. This should be pretty quick. Um, best film. Yeah, I Toy mean, this Story. is. I do. I do. I do. Just want to quickly shout out. This is the first time that it's like in any way a question because both best film both friend. Both franchises are dealing with a best film that is very good, okay. uh, is specifically how I mean. Sure. I don't think it's that much of a question. Yeah, no, I got you. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 at least, a, like, an argument could be made by someone. I could understand someone liking The Blair Witch Project more, more than Boy. Toy Story. Uh, but I wouldn't say that I do. <laughs> so we both vote best film for Toy Story franchise. Uh, quality control. This is going to be a huge point in Toy Story's favor. Absolutely. Uh, all four of the movies are quite good, at least. Uh, there are five. We're including Flayer. Oh. But four, okay. four straight. Four of the five are Correct. quite good. In a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Lightyear is not, but that's fine. It's also not a Toy Story movie. You know, it doesn't <laughs> well, have it, Toy Story. It either it is or it isn't. You know what I mean. Sure, but if I'm saying if it's, it's not like Toy Story five open to let your buzz. Right, but if it if it's <laughs> <laughs> well done, I and yeah, Blair, Blair Witch has gone from uh, excellent to terrible to worse. Yeah, no, no, no not two, worse. Two, okay. two is the worst. Okay, uh, but still three is not, not good. good. It's not good. It's not yeah. Good. So that's a uh, that's a Toy Story point. I think so. Yeah, uh, gross consistency. You know, Toy Story, yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah Toy, Toy Story is... Each of their witches made consistently less money. Yes. Uh, they didn't have the magic that the first one had. Uh, franchise growth. This is... Uh, yeah, still... No, it's still because Blair of the Witch kept drops, losing money. That, and... Yeah, Blair Witch kept losing money. And Toy Story... Toy Story 4 is the highest grossing one, right? Yeah, that... or no, Toy No, that's 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 what's Toy Story Four. It says Toy Story. I'm gonna change it. Okay, so I was like, yeah, that sounds like something. No, Toy that Story happened. Four was the first one that made a billion. Yeah, a billion. Oh yeah, baby. Wow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's a uh, that's a clean sweep a for Toy sweeps. Story. A lot of sweeps early on. All right, the four seed Indiana Jones takes on the five seed. Nope, not the five seed. The twenty ninth seed, the Karate Kid. Best film? Oh, it's Raiders. Come on now. Yes. Yeah. This is uh, this is Indiana Jones. Neither neither of us are uh, quite uh, actually. Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones movie, people. But regardless of which one, yeah, Indiana Jones takes the uh, takes the first point there. Yep. Uh, quality control of the uh, Indiana Jones franchise is. I uh, so people you... say the third one's the best, and then you got the fourth one. I feel like if we look at Karate Kid, like. The lowest one was a seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, thirty six on Metacritic, and the lowest Indiana Jones on Metacritic is fifty seven for Temple of Doom, not even Crystal Skull. Yeah, yeah, so. I, 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 th- I think this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a point for Indiana Jones here because even even the low points of uh, of the Indiana Jones franchise, I think, are criticized relative to the high points. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not a Crystal Skull defender in the way that yeah. you are, but I still recognize it. Like, it's fine yeah, compared it's to the bad movies that come out. Right, it's fine. I uh, whereas I don't think you can say that about the lows of the Karate Kid franchise. Uh, consistency of gross for Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana is, Jones also. Yeah. 
yeah, this is a is is a franchise with a you know three straight movies in its uh, in its prime that were uh, that were all just basically the same thing, uh, and then the fourth yeah. one also made a fuck yeah, yeah. Crystal, Crystal Skull was a huge hit. All right, is that another sweep? Uh, no, we haven't gone to franchise growth. Uh, so the question here is: the question here is the, the, the Jaden Smith and the TV show. Yeah, yeah, and the the TV show is like they are still making Indiana Joneses though. Yeah, that's true. One's coming out this June. I uh, so yeah, they're they're both the uh, they're both long standing. But like, how did our uh, yeah? You know what? Franchise growth. Karate Kid expanded into a successful television show. Give it to Karate Kid. Okay. That's, yeah. That's I, all right. Focus. Yeah. I, I think. I think. I think that's. I think that's Indiana fair. Indiana Jones tried to show the adventures of young Indiana Jones, which yeah. was a real thing in the eighties. Huh? Didn't last. I uh, though that's going to bring us to longevity, which is you know I guess. Well, Karate Kid's about to end. Yeah. And they never. The show's about to end, and they never made another movie. Yeah. And we got new Indiana Jones. Coming yeah. Out. Indiana Jones is still trying to. Uh, one still last, trying to keep one his last legacy. ride. Or several rides. <laughs> I mean, if this one's a hit, they're oh, yeah, not stopping. Jones ride. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna Universal. pass it off to uh, the returning Mutt Williams. Uh, so that's a uh, that's a four one victory for Indiana Jones. All right. Congratulations to Karate Kid who has uh, scored a point. The five seed Despicable Me against the twenty eighth seed Bad Boys. All right, here we go. This is this this I think should be a fun one. You talk a, about this with the mod. I'm gonna go pee. A huge uh, a franchise stop, with huge success. I don't want to stop the recording. Uh, okay, versus Does a. This spike? Uh, I uh, let's see. Uh no, it's fine. Great, I'll be back. Okay. I <laughs> uh, Ahmad, we have a lot of uh, a lot of audio footage of us uh, talking about the Bad Boys franchise. Yes. I let's see. Have you seen any of the Despicable Me movies? I saw. How many are there? There. Oh God. I uh, three. I think there's three Despicable Me's and two Minions. Okay, if, so uh, yes, that is uh, that is the case. So I have seen the first two Despicable Me's. I have not seen anything else. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think Despicable Me three is about like Gru finding his brother. Oh, okay. And then I forgot what the Minions movie is about, but then Minions two has a little kid Gru. Uh, oh, came out, right. Uh, came out recently. These movies make a shitload of money. Yeah, I was looking. I was like, wow, this is the five seed. Where like, I, clearly they made. Yeah, a ton I mean of money. the. The success of the Despicable Me franchise. <laughs> I took it at the five seed. Is uh, is yeah un uh, unstoppable. Whereas the Bad Boys franchise is fun and good at times and has made a good amount of money, That's but uh, less money. Uh, yeah, you're you are as good as it gets. Perfect. All right, here we go. Best film. Yeah, this Bad is Boys. yes uh, specific. Well, yeah, not bad. Boys. <laughs> yeah, specifically, I think we uh, we decided on Bad Boys for Life as a representative. Yeah, in, uh, or Bad Boys Two if you uh, you know if we're doing individually. Yeah. Yeah, but no but I, either way, uh, Bad Boys has a a quality. Yeah. Over Despicable Me. Small children might disagree, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Fight me. Yeah. Maybe they should go see Bad Boys. Yeah, uh, you, that, you ever watch Bad Boys? Here, here, you you take as many of your little kid friends as you need. I will partner up with the star of the Bad Boys franchise in a fist fight, and we'll win. It's Muhammad Ali. Yeah, man. He takes his shirt off in movies. I. Uh, You're never gonna take your shirt off in movies. Quality control. I'm. I'm not. I would if I was offered the opportunity. I uh, quality control. Bad Boys goes from, uh, in my opinion, yeah. not very good to 
uh, incredibly fun but flawed and, to just quite good. And I like the first two Despicable Me's, and then the rest have been like very mediocre. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. So. I think I think the I think the quality uh, the quality point here is in wow. Bad Boys' favor wow. as well overall. Coming out strong, two zero against a higher seed. Gross consistency. Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> It's got to be Despicable every Despicable Me movie. movie makes three billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. Well, yeah, but it's it's enormous. It's enormous. All Franchise right. growth is. I mean, listen. I get I get the Bad Boys thing sure. here, but Despicable Me, uh, Minions: The Rise of Gru, the fifth film in this franchise, made a fucking banana pants nine hundred forty million dollars, um, and even Despicable Me three, which nobody liked, made over a billion. Yeah, this this is the bad. Bad, the Bad Boys franchise has a good case in the franchise yes. growth category. It, it performs well. It the has... first one did okay. Second one did good, but okay because the budget was fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, and then the third one did great. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, the Despicable Me has a, a spin-off franchise that's just as successful as, as the so original. Would say bigger than the original. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now we're two two, just like Woo! that. This has not happened yet. We're on to longevity. Longevity. Okay. This is uh, so your Despicable Me franchise started in 2010. Yeah, whereas uh, Bad Boys started in '95. But I, I don't think it's just a measure of uh, just time, a measure yeah. of time because Bad Boys they made in '95 and then 2002, and then which is just like also a surprisingly big gap. Yeah, and then they just stopped for yeah. a very long time. Do you think that? Yeah, you because in in your mind you're thinking that like the idea that. Despicable Me was five movies strong and still doing what it's doing gives it the longevity factor. Yeah, whereas like Bad Boys was just dormant yeah. for the longest time. I think uh, I agree. So yeah, I think Despicable Me gets that point. And I think it gets legacy. It's it's the it's the minions that uh, it's the Illumination is the house the minions built. Yes. It's launched a huge animation studio that um is a powerhouse in in the animation world right now, bought by Universal, and uh, it all started with the little yellow guys and a guy with a pointy nose. Um, whereas and, Bad Boys is like another trilogy in Will Smith's you know arsenal. Yeah, and it's a tainted arsenal at present. As much as as much as, as making mu- another one tainted as mu- arse. Wow. <laughs> as much as much as I joke. Is that and... what you're here to comment about? Is that the kind of comments you're going to bring? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he said arse. <laughs> It's a tainted arse. Yeah, I, yeah. As much as much as I joke about the slap and think that it's uh, insane what the world has come to, I uh, it's it's tarnished the legacy of it's Will stuff. Smith's career presently. Such a high. Anyway, uh, so agree. yeah, Despicable Me is going to go and on a four zero sweep yeah, and boy, take a four two overall. Not sweep, but goes on a four zero run. All right, the next matchup. The six seed Matrix, the franchise we forgot to, I forgot about entirely. Sorry, the Matrix. Until after the draft, had to retroactively put it in, and the twenty seventh seed Madagascar. Here we go. Both have four movies. It should be pretty equal. Best movie. <laughs> okay. Next. <laughs> yeah. So the the Matrix is one of the tr- the true all time classic movies. Yes. Gross consistency. Not yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what quality control oh i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean matrix go downhill every single time yeah or do but we think resurrections was better than uh, revolutions 
I don't know. I mean, I think th- I think they're basically. I gotta watch Resurrections again. I uh, we just did that a what? couple years ago. What years? No. No. Res- no oh, Resurrections is, is four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Revolutions is the third. Jesus. Oh, Reloaded is the second. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Too many R's. I, yeah, it's a lot of R's. Yeah, I th- I think that. I think that the fourth one I liked less than the second and third. Okay. If I if I recall right, so it did kind of go down from. And if you take a look at my uh, my stat sheet, Madagascar's uh, highest tomato is uh, the third one. Yeah, so the that... lowest Metacritic is the fourth one, but it's not its lowest uh, tomato score. So there you go. Yeah, so that one's kind of uh, yeah. I think it goes to Madagascar. Kind of all over the place. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's just just fine. And I think the next one does too. Gross consistency. Yeah, Penguins of Madagascar is a real dark ledger on it. It made 83 uh, domestic and 366, and it kind of ended the franchise. But Matrix went down after, you know, 2 was a big high, and then it went down, and then the most recent time they did it didn't do anything. Yeah, that's... And Madagascar 3 was significantly the highest grossing of the bunch. Yeah. And the second one grossed more, the third one grossed even more, and then it did have a fourth. So if we remove if we remove Resurrections and Penguins of Madagascar, it's like the fourth one that didn't do anything. We still got Matrix. Then two is more. Then three is the least of the three. Right. And then Madagascar is boom. Second one is higher. Third is higher. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I'm I'm with you. So we're two one Madagascar. We get into franchise growth, which uh, I think for Did, the yeah for the same reasons of uh, yeah. yeah it's tough because it did have a spinoff that failed. I mean, so, so so did the Matrix. It didn't have a spinoff. Sure, it just but, had yeah. uh, a part of it that failed. Yes, I I agree. I think basically, like Resurrections and Penguins of Madagascar are, are have the same effect yeah. on their respective franchises, yeah. uh, and so for Matrix Madagascar might be beaten in a minute. I well, let's uh, let's talk about it. Well, longevity gets us to if we got to legacy. We got Matrix in the clinch. Sure. Longevity is we had the first Matrix and then the second Matrix made the most, third Matrix made the least of all three in the same year. Both released in 2003, which is four years after the first one. And then we all know what happened 18 years after the third one. The fourth one doesn't make any money. Yeah. Madagascar goes the third movie 12, 12, seven years after the first one, and it makes the most amount of money of the three. That's is it? I I know this is going to seem like sour grapes to keep the Matrix from losing, <laughs> but is it too late to go back and relitigate quality control? <laughs> Why? What do you mean? I Matrix one. Would oh. you prefer to watch the worst Matrix movie <laughs> or the best Madagascar movie? <laughs> this is unprecedented. <laughs> Yeah, but we're no, in I charge. I prefer here. to watch the Matrix. I'm an adult. I think that's part of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. I I kind of feel the same way that like, sure, Madagascar maybe put out a a bunch of movies that were all like kind of okay for small children. But they did not control their quality, Noah. <laughs> they got worse. Yeah, but they got they got worse from one of an, the all time movies, but still made movies that you want to watch 
Like people, you're welcome to change your vote in quality control, because then it wouldn't mean the end. Right. I, you you have to get to the four the 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 conclusion, right? Yes. Yeah. It was. A, this would not yet be a. a I, I, I am doing so. I'm I'm back I'm back I'm back into the quality control, right. Mark. You're you're sticking with the yeah. Uh, I am for now. Okay. For now. All right. So longevity, where are you giving here? Yeah, I mean, I think I do think longevity has to be uh, has to be in Madagascar's favor. We we both agree legacy is matrix. Yeah, yeah, legacy is unquestionably matrix. Okay. I, so then we uh, then we talk milestones and see what. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is Matrix as well. It has four Oscars. It, all for the first one, but it won all of them. Uh, the second biggest opening day for Reloaded. The biggest April opening for the original. The second biggest opening weekend ever for Reloaded. And it, the Reloaded became the biggest R-rated film. Madagascar has no stats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think with a squeaker. So then this the puts Matrix. us at... Uh, yeah. See this in this in fact it's is tied. the this uh, is the tie yeah this is this is the uh, this is the tie that we were oh uh, yeah, we want the tiebreaker to we be. were concerned about well let's see in the uh, how how have we broken these ties in the past has it been gross uh, was one of them, yeah right? to- total gross so it could be like total franchise gross yeah we could uh, do that <laughs> we could uh, let's see oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> no one goes. Let's see what else. What, what has, options do we have? What movie has the most no, guns? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Which movie has Keanu Reeves in it? Is the tiebreaker. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that was... Tiebreaker is, which movies have transgender directors? (laughs) That was unfair of me. I will admit that. No, that's funny. Uh, Hold on, hold on. Well, it all comes down to what the goal is here, right? Yes. What is the tiebreaker that we think would best represent the greatest franchise of all time? Is it the most money? Is it a a differential between uh, money and budget? Is it the number of years it's been around? That could be one. Yeah, I uh, it could. How's how's this for a uh, for a tiebreaker that I think breaks in the Matrix's favor, but also is like is maybe uh, maybe important going forward. But like, which of these movies do we feel has the most decisive category win? Which for you is Legacy? No, oh, I think it's best film. But oh. yeah, I mean, like Legacy is. Uh, yeah. I either either way, I think that I think that the Matrix has qualities about it that make it more important to the history yeah. of franchise movie making. What do you think of mine? Than Madagascar think, does. What do you think for a tiebreaker for I, which which movie took a category like the more strongest? Yeah. yeah. Or I don't know. I think like the amount of years the franchise has been in existence is a good one. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't that just uh, isn't that just longevity? No, I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't want to just make the decision entirely because I want the Matrix to win, <laughs> but like I do, I think that's the right outcome. So I think our system should reflect that. But that is also just my biases here talking. All right, fine, sure. Tiebreaker is which one won a category more handedly. And I would say it's Legacy. And you would say Quality Control. So, either way. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, so the Matrix uh, just barely squeaks by. All right, our next matchup, the 7th seed Halloween against the 26th seed American Pie. Best film, it's Halloween, the original, 1978. Uh, American Pie franchise has some good movies. Uh, I like fun to watch. All of them to agree. Yeah, I'd say a franchise is generally very important to you when you're uh, you're coming up in the movie watching world. Yeah, I think. But yes, Halloween has. Speaking uh, of, uh, they're all pretty good. Quality control. Yeah, this is this is gonna. You know, we we recently watched all the Halloween movies. Remember that? (laughs) You were there for part of that. Yeah. You weren't there for the worst parts, but though. <laughs> no. Wait. Oh no. You because you were there for H two O. Oh yes. And Resurrection, which sucks, but H two O is good. Um, I think it's American Pie. Yeah. I think the, yeah. Yeah. The Halloween franchise is all over the place, uh, whereas American Pie is uh, just like all of them are good at least. I don't. I don't remember the specifics of. Like two and three, I guess. But like, I I know I've never come out of an American Pie movie thinking like that wasn't very good, and I've come out of several Halloween movies being like, is is that like a bottom fifteen movie of my life? <laughs> Maybe. Um, gross consistency. All right, so Halloween is all over the fucking place. Sure. Uh, first one's sixty four, or no, first one's forty seven. Then we get as low as eleven. Then we get. 159, 92. I mean, it's all over the fucking place. American Pie, first three movies, $100 million. Like, 101, 145, uh, 104. And even, you know what's interesting? The worldwide American Pie numbers. If you take a look at those, which yeah. is 234, 286, 232, and 236. Three of them are in the 230s. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that. I think that all of these big horror franchises are really going to struggle in the categories that call for consistency. Yeah, uh, I I feel uh, I feel pretty good about American Pie taking my vote on this one too. here. Franchise uh, growth, however, I think we get right into the David Gordon Green trilogy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'd, I'd even before that, like I think that definitely sealed it for Zombie. Halloween. But ha- Halloween is a franchise that is so uh, so well defined by its eras. Yeah. Uh, it's it's broken very cleanly into five different ones, and we uh, we chronicled them all. Uh, and I think that even if some of those eras are abject failures, they still represent growth and uh, and new uh, new opportunities. And so I'm voting Halloween there. Uh, I think so too, for sure. Uh, longevity. Also, it's also Halloween. Yeah, we just had a Halloween movie come out. We haven't had an American Pie movie in 13 years. Yeah. Uh, legacy though. Is uh, I mean my my vote's Halloween there as well. It's got the the single most iconic thing from either of these is Michael Myers as a horror monster. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. All right, so that is uh, a four to two victory for Halloween. Congratulations to American Pie. I mean, on it being put up a fight. A, uh, it put yeah, up a fight. being a contender here. It has uh, it has power. We get into then our next matchup here, which is going to be the eight seed Saw against the twenty five seed Rush Hour. Uh, two very different franchises. Are they though? No. Both made by studios, had cameras. Sure. 
fake blood. Yeah, each one starred Tobin Bell. <laughs> Tobin Bell was the unsung hero of the Rush Hour movies. Not if you had to recast one of the big two from Rush Hour with Tobin, Tobin Bell, Bell, do you want Tobin Tucker? Tobin Bell is Chris Tucker. Does. No, 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 no. He's not trying to. He's flipping all over the place. No. But he works better as a straight man. He'd be a great captain. You know, Jackie Jackie Chan's kind of the one that's like, Chris Tucker, you're a wild man. What are you doing? Like, what's the matter with you? And Tobin Bell, I think, would be able to better capture that energy. Uh, Whereas, if you got Tobin Bell and Jackie Chan in a movie together, it's just kind of two guys being like, hey, how are you? Alright. Which one has the best movie? Uh, I think Rush Hour is better than the first Saw. I do. Yeah, first, uh, first Saw would be the contender here i uh, yeah i will jo- i will join you uh, i will join you in that uh, in that assessment here as well i uh, um what's next next is going to be quality control the saw franchise is long and storied and basically just kind of gets worse as it goes on yeah so does rush hour yeah and Saw, or here's the interesting, Saw has more opportunities to get better and it doesn't. Sure. Uh, do you think Rush Hour 2 is, like, terrible? People do. I don't. I think, I think I'm think i worried part of it's nostalgia. I saw okay. it so much when I was a kid. I saw it in theaters. I had it on DVD. I, I think that I may be a little biased toward it, uh, but the critical consensus was that it was much worse. Yeah. I... I... Here, let me let me let me put it this way as to why I'm voting Rush Hour over Saw. In a way that makes the most sense. So if it has to be this way, I want you to put it this way. I, I think, the valleys of Saw, uh, specifically was is it? What's God? What what is is it? Saw what? X. What's the Saw movie we watched? No, Saw, Saw X Seven is coming out. Saw X is coming out. Saw Three D. Saw Three D. Saw Seven. I Saw Eight was Jigsaw. So okay. I'm spiral from the book of Saw. Got it. Yeah. Saw 7, I'm confident, is worse than anything Rush Hour has done. Uh, yeah, it's probably true. That, <laughs> that movie... It doesn't look like a movie. It, I'm not, it doesn't look like a movie. <laughs> it looks like a student film made poorly. I can't uh-huh. explain I mean, why. I mean, you you were you were coming of age during the heyday of the Saw franchise. Uh-huh. Were, were you keeping up as they were coming out? Absolutely not. I think I... <laughs> you watched a couple of them for when we saw Spiral, right? Yeah, I think I had seen at least the first four, yeah. and then once it got there, I'd lost track, yeah. and then All I right. picked up when we saw Jeff. I think that's what we're doing for our next next year's Halloween. Oh, yeah? In anticipation for Saw <laughs> 10. I'm not watching Saw 7 again. No, 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 <laughs> I'll no, no, remember it. No, 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 uh, just... Just shocking, and like for such a for such a mainstream franchise, that even even you know coming in on the seventh movie, having not seen uh, like three through six ever, and one and two in a pretty long time, I uh, you'd think like I'll I'll be able to pick up what's going on. Like this is a this is a mainstream movie for for mass audiences. Like we can't be too weird and like in our own bullshit. Yeah, it it's incoherent the movie yeah, it, it is you you don't really know who the main character is for a pretty long time <laughs> when this movie come out 17 oh. no no that's crazy uh <laughs> 2004 was one so 2010 i guess right four yeah, five right. six seven eight nine 
ten. Yeah. Did oh, they, they did, did, did they manage year. to hit one a year every year? If it must, if it's Halloween, it must be. Sick. Yeah, I mean, no, but maybe they like took a couple <laughs> years off before the franchise no, 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 sure launched. Okay. I. I'll look that up. All right. So yeah, that's two. Uh, that's two points in favor of the rush hour. Gross consistency. October 29, 2004, October 28, 2005, October 27, 2006, October 26, 2007, October 24, 2008, October 23, 2009, October 29, 2010. Wow. All within six business days of each other on consecutive years. <laughs> I, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and hopefully we'll be it able shows, to be used they, in the last one favor. shit. Yeah. I do get that they made that in a year. They sure. wrote it, shot it, edited it in a year. Uh, consistency of gross. Uh, you got your Saw franchise that uh, has, you know, valued at, with Spiral, the book of Saw, $23 million, $40 million worldwide. Which is the fourth ish. one was the... No, I'm sorry. They, they kept going up worldwide. Uh, saw four... Oh, I'm going the other way. <laughs> I thought it was top down. Uh... Saw 4 was the highest grossing worldwide. And even Saw 3D, because the 3D boom got close with 133. Okay. But yeah, it's generally pretty scattershot all over the place here. Yeah. You know, your Spiral did did very poorly. 6 did very poorly. Jigsaw, these like... Saw's all over the place, whereas like Rush Hour 1 and 3... Basically made the same money, and Rush Hour Two was the uh, the huge smash success. Can you do me a favor? Can you click away from the numbers page real quick? Uh, yeah. What would you um think that Rush Hour Three should cost? Rush Hour Three should cost. Yeah. I. Uh, you got to pay the guys, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. And there's big stunts, and they got to travel to locations. Six years after, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna. I I would I would price. go as high. Uh, and this is this is knowing what movies cost versus what I think they should cost. Yeah, I'd go as high as a hundred million dollars. Okay, go ahead and click over to the numbers page. Tell them what it would have cost. All right, so right, this is Rush Hour three. Yeah, uh, we're doing. Uh, let's see, where's my? Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, the production budget of Rush Hour three is going to be a hundred and eighty million dollars. <laughs> what? It's because like I think Chris Tucker like held off for like forty million or something. That still it leaves $140 million unaccounted for. <laughs> if you if you paid Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan $40 million each, you spent $120 oh, you know million. Dollars. It looks like it's 140 which is still crazy. Sure. It must have been with, with whatever. Okay. Tucker received 25 Chan received 15 which like The rest of it's just like a mediocre action comedy. Like Brett Ratner received seven point five million, which is more than like most A-list actors make. <laughs> yeah, that's that wasn't a good idea. I anyway costs a lot of money. Yeah, I which is why it's one forty was such a disappointing, and also barely anything overseas. Sure. So on the subject of gross consistency, Saw is another one of those horror franchises that is all over the place. I'm voting yeah, but Rush for Hour a good here. Good chunk. It was like boom, boom, boom. All right. Is that is that is Saw gonna get your vote? I feel like I don't know. What are you leaving Rush Hour here? I'm going Rush Hour. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Rush Hour because the third one made as much as the first. But yeah. The, the budget just but, keeps it from being a hit in in any respect. Yeah. I about gross, not budget. So fun. Franchise growth. That's. I, 
Yeah, yeah. Saw is uh, Saw X. even even with its uh, big failure in Spiral is something that clearly has momentum. Yeah. Uh, whereas Rush Hour, like, it also cratered takes... back to the first one, and in a way that, with the huge budget, just kind of destroyed it. It also takes longevity. Saw. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I completely agree. Rush Hour was a a, a a single moment, a flash in the pan. You think Saw takes legacy? It, it dominated the Halloween box office yeah. for six years. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Saw not it it dominated the box office and redefined the uh, the yeah, genre of horror. Porn, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was uh, that was Saw's fault. All right, so let's go with stats here. Yeah, uh, none for Saw and Rush <laughs> Hour had the fourth biggest opening in history with Rush Hour two, and the biggest September opening with Rush Hour. So two movies broke a, a weekend record. Yeah, and I. Does it I would feel say, right to you that I would, Rush Hour was about to beat Saw? Yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> uh, Surprise, Saw has no stats. You know what? The the numbers aren't big enough to break October records. Mm. They were like great. They were like thirty million for like four straight movies, which is nuts. But like as far as like actual, you know, record breaking, it just no, never happened. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, that's like we. We've we've got to, we've got to have some room for uh, for surprises here. And okay. I I don't think this is like necessarily correct, but I'm taking it because that's what our system put it in. And that's yeah, what it's designed to do. Yeah, and like I I could see it being right. And I'm I'm sorry, the the, the Madagascar franchise beating the Matrix is not is that is incorrect. Uh, and A 25 seed can, beat an 8 seed. We had our first our first topple of a high seed here. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's very exciting. It means uh, it shows we mean business. All right, what's the sound? Or uh, that lifting the veil. Oh yeah, on our podcast. Uh, we have to stop. Uh, we have to go see Creed three, and we have to. Um, <laughs> and when we return, Ahmad will not be joining us for the podcast. So I want we want to give a big thank you to Ahmad for always coming on and giving us your music takes and everything else. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Uh, we hope you enjoy the tournament, and we expect you to be on a couple of times. Yeah, later. once, as we, once we, as always, down, get it back down to a manageable <laughs> amount of yeah. things, yeah. we can ask normal people yeah. to participate in. Would you mind watching four movies in the next three weeks? Like, yeah, that I can do. Great, thank you. Um, so we hope you'll be on. We hope you'll be on again. For sure. All right, Noah, cut it, but don't worry, because as always, this will be seamless. All right, he's gone. Now the tournament can really begin. And we've seen Creed 3. Yeah. Just like that. Pretty good. Our next matchup. The 8th seed, Paranormal Activity, takes on the 24th seed, Friday the 13th. Best movie, uh, it's going to be Paranormal, uh, Noah. <laughs> no, you haven't seen Friday the 13th, but... Not yet. Uh, paranormal Activity, pretty uh, pretty fun stuff there, though. Yeah, especially that first one. Yeah, that's uh, it's a shame it couldn't, couldn't keep it going. But yeah, those points go into Paranormal Activity. All right. So we start off with one nothing. Quality Control... These these franchises are both gonna have the problem yeah. of long running horror franchises. Well, I know it's doing a lot of heavy lifting, but Paranormal Activity in half the movies has a much higher average rating 
from Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic at 47 yeah. and 28 and 49 28. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's probably going to be and probably going to be right. And the lowest RT and the lowest Metacritic score are both about double for Paranormal Activity. So okay. I think we got to give it there. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, with, I'm with you there. Let's talk about consistency and gross. The Friday the 13th movies. Uh, they really hit a rhythm at like 21 and under for a good like six movies there. Yeah, then you've got you've got your outlier in Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also got the outlier of the remake. The yeah, the uh, the two thousand nine remake. And the paranormal's got. I think paranormal's more all over the place. To be honest with you. See, I'm looking at that. Uh, looking at that one now, and that is definitely true. I think this goes to Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and it's not. It's not even that. Like paranormal activity was. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of like growing at all. It just kind of it faded. Uh, it faded pretty consistently. So yeah, that's going to be a uh, going to be a point there for a Friday. Yeah, the, the grosses aren't high, but it was certainly more consistent in its grosses. Right. Uh, then we talk about franchise growth. Well, that might be paranormal, right? Because the first Friday the Thirteenth made thirty nine, and then went down to 21 and then never reached the 39 until Freddy vs. Jason 20 years later, 22 years later. Paranormal Activity, 107 and then 104, and then, sorry, 84 and then 104 again. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you think here? I think that the Friday the 13th franchise mm-hmm. showed more potential for growth and revisiting uh with both the uh the 2009 remake being successful if bad and uh Freddy versus Jason having a you know showing its ability to kind of grow out and yeah. and meet these other franchises where uh paranormal activity really just kind of existed on its own as its own thing and rode that rode the wave of the first movie as long as it could but I, I don't really think has that same kind of potential to be uh, to be revisited or reborn. I think Paranormal Activity's done, uh, so I'm I'm going to be voting for Friday the Thirteenth here. Okay. Are you voting Paranormal? For franchise growth? Yeah, I guess. I no, 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 no. I guess it's Friday the Thirteenth here. Okay. Longevity, I think it's got to be the same, right? That's that's an issue we're gonna have to kind of decide here. Is that a lot these older franchises, um, the longevity we determine is just because it's been around longer and it's still talked about. But like, Paranormal Activity has not been given that chance to be talked about twenty years from its release. Um, you know, having said that, I do think there's something to the fact that we just had a Paranormal Activity movie last year. On Paramount Plus, but last year. Oh, sure. Okay. And Friday the 13th has not had a reboot since its successful, relatively, uh, remake in 2009. So it has been around for longer, but since since 1993, right, we, we were getting, it looks like, a Friday the 13th every year. Or so. Uh-huh. Until 93. And then it was... 
nine years, and then one year, and then six years, and now nothing. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think this is why the uh, the longevity category doesn't just speak to like when is the first one, right? And when is it now? I you know Friday the Thirteenth. You look here has uh, basically say 15 or 16 years of sustained production uh whereas paranormal activity has 12 so i think i think even if you account for the sort of breaks and dormancy yeah. that friday the 13th had i i i still uh, i still think it has uh, it has the edge in its longevity and sort of the fact that it was, it was remade and it was spun off shows that there was more, there was more room for it to, uh, to continue to exist. Whereas paranormal activity didn't really leave openings for that kind of thing. All right. I agree. All right. And then we move on to legacy. I mean, it's hard for, you know, Jason's an icon of the genre. Is there something to the idea that Paranormal Activity kind of started the found footage thing uh, or kind of elevated it from Blair Witch Project and had the very, um, at least in my opinion, revolutionary marketing campaign demand to see it kind of a thing? Yeah, I, I think I think there's a there's a huge thing to be said for that. The trailers that showed the audience reacting to the movie. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that Paranormal Activity came out and uh set its set a whole tone for its era of uh, its era of horror movies mm-hmm. much the same way that saw did uh whereas friday the 13th like jason jason is a horror icon but i th- i think that that almost kind of hurts him cuz you compare him at, then to the other horror icons and like this franchise does not have the cachet that Halloween or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street does. Uh, so I I think in that way, it's harder for Jason's legacy to shine. And I I'm kind of inclined, and maybe this is just because we lived through it, but the yeah. the fervor that Paranormal Activity had, I think, uh, outshines anything that uh, that the Friday the Thirteenth franchise was bringing to it. I'm inclined to agree. So our vote is there. It's tied at three. Milestones. And let's go to the milestones. All right. So Paranormal Activity had the biggest horror debut of all time, which was the third film. That also had the biggest fall debut, uh, which is September through uh, November. Um, no. <laughs> September through October. The first film was the most profitable film ever made, and the second film had the biggest R-rated horror debut, while Friday the 13th had the biggest horror opening twice, with the first film and the third, and the biggest slasher opening in 2009. So those milestones spanned the first and the most recent. Yeah, and that is that is a more compelling case than... Slashers I... weren't as common. You know, well, oh, no, that's not true. In 2009, that makes sense. Biggest horror opening is... I don't know. In my mind, in 2009, it's tougher to have the biggest debut of anything because so many years had passed from 1980. 
You know what I mean? I. It, it's so many other horror movies have had the chance. Okay. To have the biggest horror debut. Between 1980 and 2009, and Paranormal Activity beat all those extra films. Okay. That Friday the Thirteenth didn't you're have. Talking, to you're talking about Paranormal Activity in 2009. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is interesting that the first, the last Friday Thirteenth was oh nine January, and February, and then the fr- Paranormal Activity was that September. Yeah, I think that, and I, I mean, I think of all of these, the most interesting and impressive one by far is the uh, Paranormal Activity one's most profitable film. Yeah, which is just a a, a mesmerizing statistic. Yeah. That movie cost thirty dollars and made more than that. I think it goes to paranormal. I agree. I think All paranormal right. squeaks by in a winner. four three. Our next matchup, we continue the horror theme. The ten seed Scream takes on the twenty third seed A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, best film. Now, Noah, you had not seen Friday the Thirteenth, or you had, and it had been a while. I I don't know. I, yes, no. I have I have seen Friday the Thirteenth, but it has been. Uh, and by that I mean Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Okay. In that case, no, I, I had not seen that Never start to finish. Street? Yeah. Yeah. We watched for the first time going up against Scream, whichever Scream you think is the best one. What's, uh, what's your take here? This is a hard call. A Nightmare on Elm Street was quite good. Uh, just very, very effectively done. Scary uh, by, by the, you know, the introduction of Freddy worked very well. Uh, the best Scream movie is Scream 2. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's where uh, that's where I landed on that. And so I think the answer here Oh my god, this I think it's Scream. I think I think I I think I would generally prefer to watch Scream. I agree. It's more my speed. I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it's awesome. I think it's genuinely scary. That first kill where the girl's being dragged up the ceiling is yeah. terrifying. But the snarkiness of Scream is always what I uh, I um, gravitate towards. I yeah, and it's this is this is by far the closest that question has uh, has been. I think. All right, quality control. Um, now I've seen all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Yeah. And I've seen all the Screams, and it's definitely Scream. I like most of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, actually. I think they're a lot of fun. But as far as the like, quality of movie, I mean, Scream 2 is maybe the best film of the bunch. Scream 5 is great. I like Scream 4 a lot. And I think Scream 3 is fun for camp, and that's the only one that you uh, don't like. So Yeah, and I, to me, it, it it's really speaks to a franchise to be, like, to be able to hit that point where it's bad now yeah. that I think Scream 3 did, and then for them to write the ship... Uh, and put out four and five, which were good and better. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm fully I'm fully on board with this. All right, scream. Gross consistency. So this is interesting. The scream franchise had back to back hundred millions, uh, then eighty nine million. Then the fourth one dropped considerably, and we're back up to the eighties with the most recent installment. Um, Worldwide's have been fairly consistent: 170, 170, 160, 140. Nightmare on Elm Street is kind of a mixed bag, but also a couple 20s in there, a um, couple 40s, couple, you know, Freddy vs. Jason again. I don't know. How are you feeling about this? 
I this I think once again Scream just kind of has in the bag. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, a, a franchise is going to have outliers more often than not. But again, for Scream to have Scream Four, which didn't make money but i think did kind of reinvigorate things and that people came out of it thinking oh scream is good again and then scream 5 was right back to making the same uh, the same basic amount of money that all the others did uh, whereas nightmare is just that classic like there's been nine of them and they're they're scattered all over like buckshot yeah, yeah. uh yeah that's a uh, that's a scream vote for me as well all right franchise growth take here it so, might it might be recency bias but scream has reinvigorated itself with a new cast new creative team that according to early word on this one is only going to keep growing in estimation yeah yeah i think that nightmare on elm street is very similar to the friday the 13th thing that we just talked about in that it has shown that it has the ability to be remade and to be spun off uh, and that's that's happened a few uh, a few times with the uh, the new nightmare being sort of the first uh, kind of meta retake on it, right? And then they did the uh, the two thousand West Craven franchises. I didn't even put that together. That's 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 a good point. Uh, they did the two thousands, uh, the late two thousands remake of Nightmare that was just straightforward. They got the Freddy versus Jason thing. Uh, but yeah, I think the the Scream franchise has again shown that it's. Uh, it's been able to it's been able to write that ship and and kind of start over with fresh faces and so I'm uh, I'm voting scream I'm voting scream there as well. All right, that's a sweep. So that's a that's a clean sweep wow. for scream over. I thought Nightmare, Nightmare would take one of them, you know. Our next matchup, Back to the Future, takes on the Terminator. That's a uh, 11 seed against a 22 seed. Um. Quality movie. Now you had to rewatch Back to the Future. Yes. How are you feeling? And I, I watched about half a Terminator yesterday. Um, Back to the Future is great. You know, classic, uh, classic movie. A lot of fun. Uh, great, uh, great stuff going on in there. Terminator is is also just classic and great in a completely different way. Uh, this is now. Uh, Right after one of the harder, uh, harder best movie calls. Yeah. This is now definitely the the hardest best movie call, uh, and I expect will be the hardest one of the first round. I mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know just in terms of in terms of personal taste, I I'm going Terminator. Yeah, and in terms of personal taste, I'm going Back to the Future. <laughs> that feels very much our our style there. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right, and they're 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 both five star movies. Or four star. Quality control. Now I have to give this to Back to the Future, solely because Terminator has maybe the biggest peaks and valleys of any franchise we have here. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Terminator went from great, great to let's say let's yeah let's say uh, struggled but yeah mixed mixed good uh, to. Bad, Ter- terrible, horrendous, hold on, hold on. good to bad to terrible to I would say just good for Dark Fate. Yeah, yeah. I whereas Back to the Future is just kind of each like each one of those has its fans. Yeah, they're all um, they are all beloved. 
Uh, so yeah, that's going to be a uh, that's going to be an easy Back to the Future for both of us. So gross consistency. Now Back to the Future dipped every single installment, um, and the Terminator's kind of you know first film whatever, second film boom, third film decent, fourth film not great, uh, fourth film not good, fifth film not at all good. Yeah, flop essentially. Yeah, whereas Back to the Futures did diminish considerably with mm-hmm. each one. Uh, but still all, like, did well. Maybe, maybe okay, well, the worldwide numbers of Back to the Future are pretty similar. Yes. Five, four, three and a half, four, two and a half, two and a half. Uh, or two and a quarter. No, two and a half. Um... But it is just like after the third one, it went down every single time. So maybe maybe that's something to take into account is that it went up and then for four movies went down. Yeah, Back to the Future went down for two movies. Yeah, I I, th- I think I I think I go Back to the Future here. I think Terminator doesn't quite have uh, yeah doesn't quite have that longevity pull. And for longevity, uh, or for franchise growth, I mean they keep trying with Terminator. But does that give it a franchise growth, or does the fact that Back to the Future was like one and done, a trilogy, and then a, I'm out? Yeah, and that's a. Yeah, I th- I think the fact that Terminator does keep trying and it just doesn't work. Yeah, it worked the last time. It, well, for, it, I mean, for us, yeah, it's not movie gonna... worked. The movie worked. The right. box office didn't. Yeah, if they were to make another Terminator after this. Maybe Dark Fate would serve as like the Scream Four. We're going into the next one. People think, "Oh, I guess they can be good." Right, right. Um. Yeah i I think I think at least with the attempts of Terminator over Back to the Future, to just not gym, doing right? it. Like I, I go, I go, uh, I go growth. Uh, we're talking growth here, and I go growth for uh, growth yeah, for Terminator. Right. Yeah. All right. I agree. All right. Longevity. You still want to do Terminator here? Cause they just keep making these. I mean, at some point, like we shouldn't reward franchises for like longevity because they just keep doing it and it's not working, but they just keep pumping them out. And it's right. like, and no, I, I, it's the stop, stop. It's already dead. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I would, I, th- I think that the fact that Terminator kept trying speaks well to its growth, mm-hmm. but the fact that, Pretty clearly, like they couldn't maintain it, point. and people they didn't care. They can't get it to have longevity. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. It yeah, failed. You... Back to the Future didn't try. Terminator failed at longevity. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm voting Back to the Future there. Wow, and it takes it out. Uh, not oh, no, yet. it doesn't. It no, it doesn't. doesn't. Sorry. Legacy. Yeah, this one, this one again is is very tough. The Back to the Future franchise is fully beloved. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Terminator's legacy is entirely contained in those first two movies. And I think of those first two movies, its legacy is stronger. I agree. I, um, I, I think it's Terminator. I think the the first one being the big Arnold movie and then the second one with the special effects and the summer blockbuster of it all, I yeah. think it takes and, and the And the James Cameron of it all. Yes. Uh, is, is very yeah. important. Milestones. Back to the Future has five Oscar nominations, including original screenplay at 1-1 Oscar. 
Uh, biggest Thanksgiving opening, part two. The first one was the number one film uh, of the year. And the first one's in the National Film Registry. Terminator had, was the number one film of the year for Judgment Day. Six Oscar noms, four wins, and the first one's the National Film Registry. I. What's a better card here? This, I mean, this feels like it's just kind of being edged out for Terminator. Like, top movie of the year and film registry edge each other out. Uh, and even maybe give slight advantage to the Terminator just between those two because it's two different movies. Yeah. I. Uh, and then you got more nominations for Terminator, uh, three more wins for the Oscars. One more nomination, three more wins. Um, it doesn't have a biggest opening. So the question then becomes, does the, essentially, does the four, does the three additional wins matter more than an additional box office record? I, I think that the three additional wins combined with uh, the other two uh, the other two stats for Terminator being taken by two different movies I mm-hmm. uh, that's true I I give I give slight edge to Terminator here but it's very close here's here's my only argument against Terminator here okay it has three more Oscar wins and double the movies. So it, it had three more movies to get as many more wins and nominations. It could only muster one more nomination in three more movies and three more wins over three more movies and no more records over three okay. more movies. That's that's the only thing that I'm I'm I want to throw out there. Yeah, and I th- I think that if that's a if that's a deal breaker for you, I think that's fair. Uh that does not uh, yeah. I would not say that that moves me. Okay. So I'm uh, I'm I'm voting I'm voting Terminator in the milestones, but how uh, how are you feeling? Well, I think all those Oscars are for Judgment Day. I'm pretty sure none of them. That seems for, likely. None of them are for the first one. Um. All right, I take the fact that one of the stats was for the first one, and the other one was for the sequel. Um, they were, I mean, Back to the Future Part Two is the biggest Thanksgiving opening. Uh, yeah. All right. Oscar gold. We'll go with Terminator. All right. So that gives us our second tie of the first round. All and right. now we need to, uh, need to talk about which of these wins is the most decisive. Uh, going down the list, uh, quality control is, I think a very decisive win for back to the future. Yeah. Uh, consistency of gross and longevity are both pretty decisive, but I think, I think in Back to the Future's favor, quality control is a is the strongest win there yeah. in my mind. Yeah. I I think legacy for Terminator. Yeah, I think legacy for Terminator, but I think Back to the Future also has a strong legacy. Whereas the Terminator franchise has pretty bad quality control. So I I I think that Back to the Future has the the, edge the stronger case for its strongest win. I think so too. All right, so that's going to be our second four-three tie. Congratulations to Back to the Future. Terminator was very hard fought. Our next matchup: the 12 seed, The Hangover, against the 21st seed, Beverly Hills Cop. 
Now, Noah, you've seen Beverly Hills Cop at all? Or no? I have, yes. Okay, great. I think we can both agree it's better. I'm not a giant Beverly Hills Cop fan, but I, th- I think we can agree it's better than The Hangover. Yes, certainly can. All right, quality control. Well, this is interesting. This is three, three movies against three movies. Let's go to third the videotape. Films, third, third films for each, famously just awful. Yes. How does the word world feel about Beverly Hills Cop 2? Because um, I feel very bad about Hangover 2. Yeah. Not great, I don't think. <laughs> So this, these are these quality wise, these franchises are incredibly similar. Let's call it a tie. I, we, I mean, we could call it a tie. I would. You want to, you, you want to leave it to the, the professionals, the tomatoes? No, I mean, I think, I think if we, if we observe that hangover and Beverly Hills cop are both like, they peak with the first movie and then the second movie gets worse. And then the third movie is a train wreck. I, mm-hmm. uh, I to me the edge just again goes to like Beverly Hills Cop started higher. Oh really? Because I mean otherwise like the performance is exactly the same. Why do I have Beverly Hills Cop three at eleven percent when Wikipedia says nine? Oh, it is eleven. Must have gotten some reviews. Sure. In um in the last year. So you sorry, you're you're what goes to So I, I would I would think Beverly Hills cop there. All right. Because it's other otherwise it's basically a push. Sure. Could we call a category a tie? Yeah, we we can. I all right, let's let's move let's move on to uh, let's move on to the rest and see if we need to need to resolve that in some other way. Gross consistency I think needs to go to um the hangover. And by that I mean just the consistency between one and two. Both these films in their third acts failed, although The Hangover did make over $100 million in its third film. But Beverly Hills Cop dropped about a hundred, about $80 million between installments one and two. And so we're talking about gross consistency. I think that that, you know, not looking at everything overall, but just that is pretty fucking consistent. And then both of them dropped hard from those numbers. Yeah, I think that's right. So then right. we move on to franchise growth. Um, well, they're shooting a Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley movie for Amazon. Yeah, that's... That's not nothing. I, I do... This is tough. Franchise growth with two movies, two franchises that just did three movies. And did it... And again, they went They went exactly the same way. They grew down. Uh, yeah. I think, I, think, I think there's something to be said for even though the third Hangover movie was a failure, that it was still like... It was just it was kind of a push in terms of its financial success. Uh, but Beverly Hills Cop is being revisited because it is it's more beloved. Yeah. I so yeah I, I guess with the with the coming sequel it's got to go to Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, about longevity? Feel the same way here because of that reason. Um. Yes. Yeah, I also I also think that the uh even just among the the franchises like the the Hangover franchise lasted 4 years. I uh, 
And that is that is a very very much like of its time flash in the pan thing. And I think if they tried to return to it, they couldn't. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, I think the third one failed because it was bad, mm. but not because like the the time for Beverly Hills Cop was done. I don't know if I would agree with that, but okay, that 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 part of it. But which one is this? Franchise growth? Longevity? No, this is longevity. I don't know. I mean, there was three years and then it was uh, seven years for Beverly Hills Cop. And then it dropped much harder than The Hangover after two years. They're trying to make Beverly Hills Cop 4 for so long. I think the first one's more beloved, and that's what's going to give it the edge here. For Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're 3-1 Beverly Hills Cop. We're talking legacy. Uh, I mean, listen, Beverly Hills Cop cemented Eddie Murphy's A-list status. 48 Hours kicked it off. Hangover brought back the R-rated comedy from Dormant since for like four years or so, five years. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the stardom and career of Eddie Murphy is. Yeah, the stardom and career of Zach Galifianakis, Todd Phillips, and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, sure, and you you can put those three guys up against Eddie Murphy in terms of uh, movie stardom, and I will take Eddie Murphy, personally. So my vote goes to Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, mine does too. All right, it moves on. An upset. All right, the 13th seed, Austin Powers, takes on the 20th seed, Ghostbusters. Quality of movie, uh, Noah, what are you giving this to? This is, oh, man, (laughs) not as hard of a call as Terminator Back to the Future. What movie are you thinking of for for uh, uh, um, Austin Powers? The first one. Uh, yeah, this is a first one versus first one thing for me. And it's Ghostbusters. I think I agree. Those are those are those are both those are both great movies, but yeah, I think it's Ghostbusters. Yeah. Quality control though. Uh Awesome Powers. Yeah, that's going to Awesome Powers all the way. Gross consistency. Awesome Powers. Yeah, this went from... Uh, Even though Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters, and Ghost Answer the Call and Afterlife, both, you know, not too similar in grosses, but years apart. And so tickets sold are all over the place. Sure. And Austin Powers just increased every time. Yeah, and that is uh, very hard to do. Yes, and especially for comedy. Yeah, and crazy that it stopped at three. Uh, so that's going to Austin Powers, and I think... Uh, you talk about franchise growth. What's a what's what's one of the breakout sequels of all time? Yeah, Ghostbusters did did have two tried research two attempts to grow their franchise. Sure, one of the most recent one worked. Uh, yeah, I yeah, th- I think that I think that's I think it's fair to it's fair to say that Ghostbusters does have attempts to continue it. But I do think franchise growth at the time of the films released 
is Austin Powers, but yeah. they just kept making more money. Yeah, I think I think the the success and the jump from Austin Powers to Austin Powers two and three yeah. is more impressive to me than the uh, failed attempts to revitalize Ghostbusters, uh, either creatively, maybe more so than commercially failed. Longevity, I think, goes to Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, because there's still there is still uh, there is still a spark there. Whether or not they're uh, whether or not they're hitting it, legacy might go to Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think I think that it does. Harold Ramis of it all, the Ackroyd, the Murray, the whole thing. Yeah, I I think I think the original Ghostbusters is a more iconic comedy than Austin Powers, and I think that kind of gives it uh, gives it the edge for me. So we're three three, and we come down to the milestones. All right, so uh, one Oscar nom for Austin Powers, two Oscar noms for Ghostbusters. Uh, the Spy Who Shagged Me was the third biggest opening period of all time. Goldmember was the fourth biggest opening period of all time. Spy Who Shagged Me was the biggest June opening. Goldmember was the biggest July opening. Ghostbusters had the biggest opening day. It became the biggest comedy of all time and has a film in the National Film Registry. So I look at this as the majority of the Austin Powers films broke records. Yeah. And Ghostbusters was very important. You know, like the second one being the biggest opening day is cool. And that was a huge summer in 1989. But it's the film registry and the biggest comedy of all time. That's really the big push here. Yeah. And it's from one of the movies, whereas we had the second and third of a franchise break records. I agree. I, uh, I look to, uh, I look to Austin powers there. All right. Austin powers moves on the 14th seed. Ice age takes on the 19th seed. Scary movie. Best movie. What are you giving it to? This is uh, scary. What movie. are you giving it to? I'm giving it to scary movie. Are we doing the first scary movie? Yeah. All right. I probably agree. Well, the first scary movie over the first Ice Age. I should watch Ice Age again. Yeah, and I mean, if there's a if there's a different scary movie that speaks to you, maybe Scary Movie Three. I should have I should I should have watched Ice Age and Scary Movie Three again. Um, which one is the higher tomato? Ice Age is. Uh, mm, I'm gonna give it to Ice Age here. Okay. For quality, you're, you're into uh, you're into the uh, into the Ice Age. Thing. I like the first one. I remember liking the first one. But it's got so many people in it that you just kind of passively detest. Two people, yeah. Yeah, like two out of four. Yeah, two half, out of three. Half the cast. Wait. Oh no, three of them. No, there's only three people. Are there only three? Yeah, Ray. Okay, yeah. So Larry and Leguizamo. Okay, so yeah, two out uh, one one you're fond of, and two you. Just really can't and I stand. wasn't fond of him at the time. Not that I didn't like it, but I didn't watch the show. Sure. That's true. All right. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Just odd is all. Quality control. Uh, weird weird run for both of these franchises. <laughs> uh, well, if we're talking this... about our quality control, we'd probably we'd definitely pick Scary Movie. I feel like you and I would both like Scary Movie 3 and 4 more than Ice Age 3 and 4. Three, sure. Uh, I I remember I enjoyed Scary Movie three, uh, four, and then five. Yeah. Like we got we got we got to talk about the uh, talk about the 
the pains here. All right. I think here we need to look at averages, right? So sure. average Rotten Tomatoes for Ice Age 47. Average Rotten Tomatoes for Scary Movie 28. Metacritic is 50 for an average on Ice Age 35. Uh, the lowest Rotten Tomatoes is 4 for Scary Movie and 11 Metacritic. And the highest uh, Metacritic is 11 points higher. I'll tell you what else. I didn't care for Scary Movie 2. Yeah. Not not fond of that. You weren't that high on Scary Movie last time I watched it. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think if you had to like put all the Ice Age movies in a hat yeah. and all of the scary movies in a hat, I would be more confident that pulling out an Ice Age would be a movie that I could just kind of watch and be fine with. All right. So I'm voting Ice Age. I here. agree. Gross consistency. This has got to be Ice Age. There's no question. Yeah, especially when you look at Ice Age's uh, historical worldwide success, Yeah, which is uh, huge and not to be discounted. Yeah. Whereas scary movie is really just kind of all over the place. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's an easy ice age win. franchise growth though. Well, I mean, none of them had spinoffs. They both had five movies. Yeah. I, uh, whereas I think just in terms of success, like scary movie was huge. They kind of did a spinoffs. Ice age launched a bunch of shorts with Scrat. Uh, a t- two TV shows, I think, at some point on Disney okay. and Disney Plus. Scary Movie had all the movies, day movie, superhero movie. Yeah, two movie, of the, the six Spartan. writers. That's right. Vampire Suck was the one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go to Legacy now. Um, yeah. So I think I think between both of those, the growth that the Scary Movie franchise spawned was. Uh, uh, needed to be medically removed by by, by a team that had scrubbed up. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas the Ice Age franchise's growth, both just in terms of uh, like growth from the first movie to the second and third, which it did. The Scary Movie franchise did not. It successfully went down. From what? From when? From just the first movie being uh, the yeah. first movie was the biggest. It bounced back nicely with the yeah, third yeah, third, third and fourth bounced back above the second one, but still were well below the first one. Yeah. Whereas Ice Age actually did demonstrate growth in its time, and then that's there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm going, yeah. I'm going Ice Age there. Longevity, I think, is also got to be Ice Age. I mean, I'm looking at Scary Movie. It was about six years they had a good run. Yeah. And I do think the world could be ready for like a proper another scary movie that's like good. I don't sure. know what horror. I guess you do the Conjuring and shit. Um, Ice Age was rocking it ten years after the first one. Yeah, and even still, the Collision Course being the last movie, I only making sixty four million dollars. That means it made three hundred and forty alone. Yeah. Worldwide. Yeah. That's, overseas. that's so much. Yeah. Uh, so even when it failed, it was a huge success. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's got it's got to be Ice Age just sustaining those international children All right. for many, many years. Uh, and that's a, a pretty pretty clean Ice Age win. Scary movie taking half a point. Our next matchup, our final two. 
the Alien franchise, the 15 seed, against the 18 seed Kung Fu Panda. Uh, I love the Kung Fu Panda movies. I think they're wonderful, but I do think that either, I don't know, probably the first Alien. Yeah, a- Aliens is a movie that I, uh, I've i got to revisit. Me too. But regardless, yes, uh, Alien has the best movie of the bunch here. Uh, talking quality control. Well. The... So the Kung Fu Panda franchise is good throughout. It's only three movies, but all are uh, all are perfectly watchable to quite good. Which is more movies in a row that are good than the Alien franchise. Sure. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk Alien. Just going down the list here. Uh, first Alien and Alien Two are uh, masterpieces, just by broad consensus. Uh, is it Alien Three or Alien Four that's sort of like a cult? I think Resurrection. Which four? Okay. <laughs> Alien three is just called three. It's is it? Okay. Alien cubed is how it looks. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I uh, so yeah. Then three is bad. Four is like it bad, bad, but like people like it. Yeah. I uh, then Alien you... versus Predator. I don't think has any fans. Alien no. Baby PR. I think has a few. Yeah, but I think those fans are Stupid. probably kidding. Uh... <laughs> And then, you and got then Prometheus. the Prometheus and Covenant are yeah, which not... got good reviews. Prometheus and, got decent reviews. Yeah, and you talk you talk about movies that have fans. I uh, those things are enjoyed by some weirdos. Yeah, but I I think for me, I don't enjoy them, and I don't enjoy a lot of what came after those first spikes. So that goes to Kung Fu I think it's Panda. Kung Fu in a walk, yeah. Uh, franchise growth, I mean, listen, the Kung Fu... No. No, it's Damn consistency it. of gross. I don't know why I'm just, like, skipping it. I'm looking at the sheet. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was, I was going to say, you should just keep the sheet up. I don't know why I'm skipping <laughs> Gross consistency. <laughs> All right, so Kung Fu Panda dipped um, domestically in its second installment, but made more worldwide. Yeah. And then leveled out both... Uh, in both ways for Kung Fu Panda three alien franchise never really hit a high. It's like they had, you know, aliens at 85 AVP 16 years later, 18 years later had 80 Prometheus 126, And then even alien covenant is down from that. So it's, I, I, I'd probably be, I'd probably say Kung Fu Panda here. See, I feel I feel like the growth into World, you know what worldwide though, Alien was pretty fucking consistent for a while. Yeah. Oh, see now 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 you've got me doing it. I was just about to talk about the franchise growth of Alien. I uh, yeah, worldwide uh, the the Alien franchise is uh, is quite consistent in its high uh, high hundred millions, uh, low two hundred millions, with Prometheus being the the outlier huge success story there, whereas Kung Fu Panda, you know, you've got, uh, yeah. really, I think, kind of suffering a little bit from the, the second movie made what the first movie should have made syndrome. Uh, the first one just making two hundred and fifteen million dollars, uh, and the second one's still outgrossing it worldwide. Yeah. I. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Panda there. All right, I will too. Franchise growth, however, uh, whoops, goes to Alien. It does, yes. Well, with the first, first with pairing it up with Predator, 
Shows franchise growth and then the Prometheus is of yeah. them all. I just realized I had accidentally scored Alien for quality control, so we are in fact tied here at uh, two apiece. Longevity. Uh, the currently Fetty Alvarez is making an Alien movie for Hulu, which has a decent two-hander. Um, they announced Kung Fu Panda Four. Yeah, I mean this is this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be Alien for me again because it I think is, because of what Prometheus did. Yeah, worldwide. Yeah, the sort of Prometheus half spinoff yeah. thing, I uh, re revitalized it. Whereas Kung Fu Panda might be getting a sequel, but hasn't yet. Legacy, I think we can both just give to Alien, and yeah. then we can move on. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. You've got uh, depending on who you talk to contenders for greatest horror movie ever and greatest action movie ever greatest sequel ever greatest sequel ever all greatest right pitch for a movie ever yep yep all right and our final matchup of the evening the 16th seed john wick and the 17th seed home alone quality uh best movie we can give to john wick we both like those a lot yes and i don't care for home alone and all, you 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 like Home Alone, don't I do, you? But yeah. John Wick's better. Okay. Quality control. We also give to John Wick. Those uh, get, those yeah, get better the, as they go. Yeah, the home the Home Alone franchise has uh, gets worse as they go. <laughs> sure does. Gross consistency. Yeah, this. I mean, just because of Home Alone three, I think. You just got to give this to John Wick. It goes I, mean, up. I, th- I think I think even up even up without Home Alone three, like Home Alone goes down from one to two to three. Up and up and up, uh, and three is a is a catastrophe compared to the first two. Whereas, yeah, the it's like a an exponential growth and franchise growth. Uh, it started this out is, as a direct to VOD movie, yeah, and ended up becoming a blockbuster franchise. John Wick sweeps easily here. Yeah, it's also grown in runtime every time. <laughs> yeah, longevity. I probably would have. I definitely would have given a Home Alone and Legacy. I would have given a Home Alone. Yeah, and Home Alone would have won uh, milestones. <laughs> So it's a real shame that uh, it was uh, back heavy there, but yeah, it would have been a would have been a more respectable four three loss instead of a four zero sweep. Recommend a movie for the folks this week slash weekend. All right, Creed three is good. Yeah, I I, I liked See, it. It looked good fun. in IMAX. Yeah, it's fun in IMAX. I but just there's such a there's such a selection of movies like go with what excites you. This let let this be the month of March where the movie theater is just hopping. Yeah. So if you're, if you're an anime person, you didn't catch the swordsmith demon guy. Yeah. Uh, I apologize for disrespecting your, uh, swordsmith demon guy, your passion just it? now. I go, is- go see that. If you're a, uh, if you're a church person, you haven't seen Jesus revolution. Like I don't church. care. I want, I want that movies like it's sure I want that movie theater hopping Uh, ideally with Creed and Scream and later John Wick and what what comes out next week not not Scream but the week after Scream Shazam Shazam okay well yeah take take the Shazam week to go see what you haven't seen yet sure Uh, and then go see John Wick all right Um, next week we have the uh, round of 64 the matchups the adapt Adaptations. It's a big week. A lot of big movies there. And we don't. <laughs> Never mind. I was going to say, and we don't have a long top 10 list to go through, but we, we do have a long award show to go through. We're discussing the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. So two weeks from now, Ooh, our episodes will come down to. Hour and a half. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe. There's gonna be less movies talking. Sure. Yeah. Let's let's see. Let's say, let's count on that and go to the power of positivity. All right. Noah, plug us up. All right. You can find us at what's in the box office.com. We are on Twitter at wit box office. That is also our Instagram handle. I am at Noah Drew. I'm at Brian DeServer, D A S U R B E R. Which is also on uh, the same on Letterboxd, well. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are. Uh, done talking for this episode. Just um, about. Enjoy the Oscars next week, everybody. You have a week left. My movie, I didn't recommend a movie. My movie recommendation is an Oscar nominee. Oh, that's good. Whatever that is for you. If that's, you want to watch Elvis, fine. If you want to catch up, if Triangle Sadness piques your interest, great. If it's everything ever all at once, definitely do that. Um, what, look at the nominees. What appeals to you? Watch it. Makes the show more enjoyable and please watch the Oscars. It's going to be a ton of fun. That is it for this week. This has been What's in the Box Office. I've been your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah. We'll see you next week. And until then, go see a movie.